0: It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Kangan.edu.au. RTO 3077. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Julian Destoop. with you, sitting in for Dwayne Russell once again, who's enjoying a well-earned vacation after a big AFL season, but will be back and raring to go in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you to Jared Waitley and the team down there at Fitness First. And uh, looking outside at the moment, if you're planning on doing some fitness, do it at a gym or do it indoors. We said yesterday, enjoy the weather for what it was, because it is going to turn and looking outside it is it was David hailing about uh, 5 minutes ago a terrible day out there so i hope you in the car or rugged up uh, inside, uh, tuned into SEN 1116. The Werribee Kia open line is open, ready to go. 1300 736 736, awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. And of course, the 40 Wings Tempertex Tech, 0433 98 1116. The all new Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper, a mattress like no other. It's midday, Mandis. You know the promise. You call, you get on. 1300 736 736. Uh, and plenty to get through today. So as we mentioned there uh, off the back of Jared, so Victor Vimanyama is about to make his NBA debut uh, for San Antonio Spurs tomorrow against the Dallas Mavericks. A much typed young player described as a generational talent. We've heard that in the AFL uh, in the last few years that term generational talent to uh, Harley Reed, uh in recent times uh, is the most notable. So we've got three categories. Just put your thinking hats on. We want to Talk about generational talent. So the first category is the generational talent that have hit the ground running and lived up to the hype. So a couple that spring to mind, LeBron James. Coming through high school, there's all this talk about this next NBA superstar, could be the next Michael Jordan. His name is LeBron James, and we've all seen what he's done since. He's now the all-time leading scorer uh, in the NBA. Closer to home, Ricky Ponting. Remember growing up as a youngster, there was this talk about this teenager that was – making runs for Tassie, and he's going to be the next Australian captain. He's going to be our next superstar Australian um, batter. And as we all know, he went on to be one of our greatest ever. So th- that's one category. Hyped up, generational talent, lived up to the bill. Then you got the middle category, which generational talent as a youngster hyped up, slow burn. Questions asked, are they actually going to live up to the hype? Are they actually that good? But in the end, they get there couple of examples Mitch Johnson. this young tearaway left armor coming through everyone thought he'd just come into test cricket and be an instant superstar. It didn't happen. It was up and down for a long long time. probably 10 years into his career then it all came came off for him and we know he ended up taking over 300 test wickets. and in a football sense Tom Hawkins, dominant player at under 18 level, son of a Geelong great, uh, you know his father's son but if he was in the open draft that year, um, he, he might have been the number one pick, and we know it was a slow burn uh, for Tom. It really wasn't until that second half of the twenty eleven grand final, his fifth season in, that it all sort of clicked, and from that point onwards, uh, he's been a dominant key forward in the competition. So that's the other, that's the second category: players that uh, had the hype, didn't quite get there at the start, didn't hit the ground running, but eventually uh, they turned into champions. And then you got the other category: the generational talent that, in the end, bit of a bust. Didn't quite make it. A couple of examples. Bernard Tomic. Young tennis player, was uh, very good in his teens, and as we all know, he's now battling on the challenger circuit. Never lived up to the hype, Bernard Tomic. And in, a, in American sport, and there's probably plenty of examples uh, in American sport because the college system is so strong and there's so much publicity, and everyone knows these uh, young men and women before they become professionals. Being in the States about 10 years ago, a guy called Tim Tebow was – the Ants Pants. He was going to be the next dominant quarterback uh, in American football and never quite made it. So give us score 1300 736 736. Upside, downside. Today we're going to do the Tigers. So you heard from Neil Barm uh, earlier today speaking uh, with Jared about Adam Uze. And uh, obviously, as Barmy said, he knows him right back from uh, when he used to coach him at Melbourne. Um, so what do you, what's the upside for the Tigers? What's the downside for the Tigers in twenty twenty four? We'll do that uh, out of the one o'clock uh, news today. and also demons fans. Uh, pretty strong stuff. Uh, From Mark Robinson, I'll play a grab from Jared Waitley uh, in a second. But strong stuff from Mark Robinson in the Herald Sun today in his opinion piece, uh, talking about Kate Roffey. She parachuted in and became the premiership president, and now she's a president under pressure. Kate Roffey is also the president that's gone missing. He went on to write, Demons fans should demand answers from the president and not be satisfied with wishy-washy commentary from skipper Max Gorn at a paid-for-sponsorship gig beside a basketball court last Saturday afternoon. Max got tossed the hot potato. He shouldn't have been. Leadership when the sun is shining is easy. Real leadership comes when the fog rolls in. Roffey is lost lost in the fog. If this was politics and not football, the government would have had a spokesperson up at 7am on Saturday. So Melbourne fans, do you want to hear from Kate Roffey? And if so, what do you want to hear? Or is it just sorted out? Behind the scenes, Melbourne. Get it done and we'll hear from you down the track. Or do you need to hear from someone in a leadership position at Melbourne right now, whether it's Kate Roffey, whether it's Gary Pert, or whether it is also Simon Goodwin? So, Jared spoke about this this morning. Uh, this was his take on the Demons' predicament right now.
2: Galling though this all is for the coach, Goodwin would have done well and would still do well to address this period himself. In the minutes of the March board meeting reported in the Herald Sun today, the scenario planning was discussed in the event that Goodwin should be removed from the coaching position. They spoke about a capacity to do the job. That's March 2021. By October, Goodwin had led Melbourne to a premiership. It was an outstanding personal triumph given the backdrop, the accusations and the open questions that were being pondered internally. That alone gives Goodwin a level of vindication. Had the Melbourne board leaked after that meeting in March 2021, it's easy to imagine a world in which Goodwin was indeed removed from the position. The pressure would have been such that the accusations, denied or not, would have scuppered a season. So for Goodwin to have been able to stare that down, that is an enormous personal triumph. For Melbourne, well, they're battling the former president and that has been constant, constant and never adequately addressed. And maybe that will happen one day in court. And maybe it will happen in a public domain soon. But the Demons are the league's dysfunctional family at the moment on every level and they are hemorrhaging by the day as the most damaging material is being strategically disseminated at moments where they are most vulnerable And Melbourne is most vulnerable right now.
1: So that was Jared Waitley's take on it on Waitley this morning. Melbourne fans, do you agree or disagree? You're not too concerned if you, if you don't hear from key people in leadership at Melbourne at the moment, or do you need to hear from them, and what do you need to hear? Give us a call. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Got a heap of texts coming through about generational talents. So some great prizes to weigh. E-gift cards, double pass to the Cox Plate Eve on Friday, this Friday night at Moonee Valley. So get on the phone for Midday madness for Work Locker, Caram Downs and Pakenham. Unlock stocked and full of value, workwear for whatever, wherever you work. Visit worklocker.com.au. Just to remind our guests today, plenty of cricket. Uh, Marcus Harris is going to join us, uh, the, the, the VIX in action, hopefully, weather permitting, at the MCG tomorrow in this Shield game against New South Wales. Uh, Ryan Harris uh, is going to join us later on this hour to talk about uh, the World Cup. Of course, the Aussies back in action against the giant killing Netherlands uh, tonight. Dean Vickerman, uh, big game coming up for Melbourne United on Friday night against the Jack Jumpers in Tassie. The only team to defeat United in the first seven games this year has been the Jack Jumpers a couple of weeks ago in Melbourne. So we'll talk to Dean Vickerman and AFLW rising star Mia Austin from the Blues. Uh, key Ford suffered a terrible injury at training uh, last year, broken uh, leg and also syndesmosis, but uh, she's hit back. Uh, really well in 2023, and a big couple of games for the Blues, the Bombers at Windy Hill, and then the Saints as they try to jump back into the top eight and make the finals again in AFLW. So before we get to Maddie on the road, we had Chris Anstey on yesterday. So NBA season starting today, first game uh, is uh, underway between the Nuggets and the Lakers, two of the big fancies for the titles. But everyone in the in the basketball world. Can't wait to see Victor Wembanyama play. This is what Chris Anstey said about the young San Antonio Spur yesterday.
3: Look, he's just a fun watch. I'm fascinated. I don't know what his feeling is. I don't think anyone does yet, but um, the fact he can impact the game at both ends of the floor with his talent and just being so uniquely different, uh, they're going to be one of the most watched. The Spurs this season will be one of the most, most watched teams in the NBA this season just because of him and I guess it's a reason before he got drafted everyone was talking about him being a generational talent, you know, one like we haven't seen since LeBron James.
1: It's exciting. So we want your nomination. So just a reminder, the three categories, the generational talents that have lived up to the hype from day one, the generational talents that were slow out of the blocks but turned out to be champions, and the generational talents that never quite lived up to the hype. Matty on the road is going to kick us off this afternoon. G'day, Matt.
4: Hey, Jules, how are you, mate? Very well. How are you? Oh yeah, traveling All
1: right, that is got good. A,
4: I've got a one for the for your first category, but just quickly, I just watched that ninety-second clip on Victor Wembanyama
1: right. when he blocked Bloody the shot hell. and shot the three. <laughs> How water
4: his arms?
1: Good luck shooting a three over him. <laughs> oh, God. As I was saying, as, even... as I was, I heard the uh, guy from San Antonio this morning. He's it's it's unfair to say he's a, a rim protect, protector. He's out there blocking three-point shots.
4: <laughs> I'm not even into basketball, but I could watch that bloke play all day.
1: Hey, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Who you got for us, Matty?
4: Oh, mate. Um, you're probably going to get about another 20 calls on this bloke, but young kid with number 35 on his back at Collingwood's um, turned out all right. I remember hearing about him a couple of years back.
1: Simon, um, Simon people... Prestige como
4: Oh, <laughs> he turned out all right, too.
1: He did. Very good player.
4: <laughs> and also, I've got one for you, Category Three as well. We bought a greyhound about fifteen years ago that was supposed to be the absolute bred by this and bred by that and blah blah blah. Bloody
1: thing never won a race. I've never heard a greyhound referred to as a generational talent, but I like it. <laughs> well, uh, so, how, how many wins does your uh, did your dish liquor have?
4: Oh, none. I did think he, I think she had four starts, and we gave up. Oh
1: God. Mitchell Bayer probably okay. tipped it in every race as well. Um, Matty, thanks for your call. Uh, yeah, Nick Dacos I certainly had on the list. And our late great mate, Matt Rendell, put it on the agenda very, very early, saying this kid could be one of the all-time greats. He's the best young player I have seen. And on the evidence of his first two years, uh, it is hard to dispute that. Uh, for getting us underway, Matt, a $50 e-gift card coming your way, redeemable online or in-store, thanks to the House of Golf Your one-stop shop for all things golf. So plenty coming in off the 40-wings temper. Jack Watts, says Chris from Taylor's Lake. So Sam Walsh, I think, has lived up to the hype so far. Mick, was was Sam Walsh ever described as a generational talent? I think he was always described as a really good player coming through. And if you get this guy at your footy club, he'll be great. I'm not sure he was ever described as a generational talent. So we're talking about guys that are going to be Not change the sport, but they're going to be right up the pointy end. And Sam Walsh is is not too far away from that. Ben Simmons. Well, I don't think we can quite judge yet, can we? He's still got a bit to go in his career. Hopefully that one's coming through uh, pretty strongly, uh, going right back here. Uh, Anthony Bannock and Terry Keyes. Of course, uh, Anthony Bannock, number one draft pick, ended up playing, I think, 49 games. For the Tigers, Terry Keyes was a man-child that looked ready to go and senior football at about 17 for Collingwood and then went to Richmond. Never quite got it. This is a good one. Sashin Tendulkar. Yep. The hype about him was huge and absolutely uh, lived up to and more. Gary Ablett Jr. That's a really good one uh, for the middle category. So was it oh, he probably four years in, they had the big, you know, nearly Mark Thompson lost his job. They had the big leading teams. They put it on Gary. And in 2007, he came out a different player and never looked back. Will Pikowski And we'll talk to Marcus Harris about Will Pikoski. Uh, That's another really good uh, nomination and let's hope that uh, he can live up to the hype. It hasn't been his fault uh, so far that he hasn't. And now I had this one certainly on the list and uh, one that was much hyped and he's possibly going down as the greatest ever. So you'd have to say he's lived up to the hype and that is none other than the great Tiger Woods. So keep your nominations coming through. Give us a call, Midday Madness, 1300 736 736. Anything you want to talk about in the world of sport cricket tonight, of course. uh, The Aussies against... The Netherlands and how exciting! If you're a fan of the BBL this year, and uh, particularly here in Melbourne, to see Quinton de Kock play, what a World Cup he is having! 174 last night. He has been the player of the tournament so far. Retiring from international cricket, uh, but he's going to play in the Big Bash for the Renegades uh, coming up later this year. Okay, we're under, underway for Dwayne's World for Kangan Institute. Unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enrol now. Give us a call 736 736. It's midday madness. You know the promise. You
0: call, you get up. It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enrol now. Kangan.edu.au. RTO 3077. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell.
1: Welcome back to the show. Julian De Stoop with you sitting in for Dwayne Russell. It's midday, man. It's one three hundred seven 736 We're asking today about generational talents off the back of Victor Wembanyama about to make his debut in the NBA. So we've got three categories. Generational talents that turned out to be as good as the hype from day one. We're talking about people like Tiger Woods, maybe Nick Dacos, uh, the way he's going, Ricky Ponting. You've got the middle uh, section there. A lot of hype, slow burn, made it in the end. Tom Hawkins, for example, or those that were just a bust. A lot of hype, never made it. Tim Tebow, burn atomic uh, That's a bit of news out of the uh, West today in relation to AFLW and the West Coast Eagles. And that is the fact that Michael Pryor, the coach, will stand down uh, later today. So it's been a... Interesting couple of weeks for Michael Pryor. Of course, he made those comments after the game against Melbourne uh, that were, I guess, largely mocked, and he later apologised for saying he didn't think it was fair that uh, a team in his position had to play the best team in the competition like Melbourne. And then on the weekend, they came to Melbourne and stunned the Bombers uh, at Windy Hill, a real upset, probably the upset of the season uh, so far in the AFLW. But he will step down uh, later today. He will remain at the club in sort of a community role, uh, but it's been a tough time for... A bit like the men's side for the West Coast AFLW team, just five wins uh, from twenty-eight matches uh, in Michael Prize under Michael Pryor's reign. So uh, it's all coming an end to for Michael uh, at the end of the day. And we might get over to the West uh, a little bit uh, later in the show uh, to discuss that. Now, have you been following? Uh, the story with uh, you know Michael Warner's stories with uh, you know Glenn Bartlett and Simon Goodwin and the Melbourne Footy Club in the Herald Sun. The latest has just dropped. So yesterday it was all about, I guess, contingency plans if uh, Simon Goodwin was to be removed as coach. And today the latest one in um, that Mick Warner has written about is about the fact that uh, I guess the plot, as it's described from some directors, uh, to move Glenn Bartlett on. So if you want to read that. Uh, it is on the Herald Sun website at the moment. Got a heap coming through on the 40 Winks uh, temper about these generational talents. And I must say, it's probably the number one category is uh, the most nominations, and that is uh, people that lived up to the hype. Uh, hi, Julian. I reckon a great generational athlete would have to be Ian Thorpe, lived up to all the expectations and hype. Possibly even more than we could predict. Shame he retired when he did. Quite possibly had a lot more to give. Cheers, Dave in Narry Warren South. This one's come through a lot. Zion Williamson is a bust. Well, a bit early to say that, uh, just like Victor will be because of his body type. Zion is far too heavy and will always be injured. Victor is far too skinny and will also be injured all the time. Shout out to our great friend, BP. He called it Carlos Alcaraz for a long time. So far, you'd have to say he would—he has lived up uh, to the hype. Uh, nomination, another one here from Luke, Michelle Wee. How could we forget? SEN 1116 known, Wispy Watson, the child prodigy, making his debut at 15 years of age, and we all know what Tim went on to do. Uh, absolute legend of the Aaron Essendon Footy Club. This one, there's a couple of really interesting ones here. Aaron Badley. So where does Aaron Badley sit? Of course, he won two Australian Opens as an amateur. He's had a good career, a really good career in the States. But you wouldn't say that he's quite uh, lived up to the height. He hasn't won a major. I mean, when you're generational talent. You're talking about people that are going to the top of the sport. So you'd have to say, not quite there. Aaron Baddeley. Uh, Jimmy in Richmond has jumped on the line. You can too. one three hundred seven three six That is the we Care Open line. You know, Jimmy?
5: Afternoon, mate. Yeah, my uh, nomination
6: for Generation Tell would have to be Pelé from Brazil. seen a documentary on him on Netflix and what he did for that country. You know, he united black people and white people and and politicians all around the world. And, and mate, you can't get as much, you know, as much more um, talent as that to be a, a, an athlete, a politician, a,
1: a, you know, everything, mate. Yeah, well, arguably the greatest in this ever to play in the sport. Now, people will argue that might have been... it could be Messi, could be Ronaldo, could be Maradona, uh, but right up there. Jimmy, that is a fantastic uh, nomination. Let's get to Baz in Coburg, who's got one for us. Okay, Baz.
7: Yeah, good afternoon, mate. Um, Anthony Mundine.
1: Okay, what category you got chocking?
7: Mate, either or. Rugby league or boxing. I think he was at, at his top of his game in rugby league and left uh, to become a world champion in boxing. So, That's yeah, an interesting
1: yeah. one. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, he was a superstar uh, in rugby league and left in, right at the peak of his powers, didn't he? And then he was a very good boxer. So i just trying to think. I don't remember the sort of hype about Anthony Mundine, obviously, when he was coming through the grades, but I remember him at the Dragons was an unbelievable player. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting nomination, Baz. Thanks for that one. Another one here, uh, Category 3. Oh, Nathan Ablett. So someone here, Dave says, Nathan Ablett, Jules. Bomber Thompson on record saying, better than Gary Jr. Dave from Audible. Now, there's a really interesting podcast out there. It's called uh, Ankle Sore Podcast. So it was named after Bomber Thompson, who famously said in a press conference about Tom Bell Chambers, who was asked about his injury, he said, ankle sore, sore ankle. Anyway, these people, the the guys that run it, and they had Bomber on. And some of the stories, if you search – Ankle Sore podcast on YouTube. It goes for about an hour and a half. It's bomber just talking pure football. It's really interesting if you're a, a footy fan. And some of the stories he says about Nathan Ablett, the things he did at training and the talent that he had, uh, incredible. I want to touch on a little bit later. He talks why they why he thinks they might have lost Nathan Ablett to footy. It's really interesting. Uh, before the news, and we talked to um, Ryan Harris, a former Australian fast bowler, of course. Uh, Brendan in Melton's got one for us. G'day, Brendan.
7: Hey Jules, how we go? I'm oh, good, mate. How are you? Yeah, well, well. Um, I've got one in the blue. So those of all the NFL will know Aaron Donald, who plays for the LA Rams. Yeah. Came in with a bit of hype, so a bit of a slow burn. His first couple of years are a bit up and down, but he's probably gonna retire as the greatest defensive tackle who's gonna play the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I can't think of any other players who have double or triple teams just to get a block on him who can Aaron and sack their quarterback and he's the reason we won the Super Bowl Earlier last year, so he goes down as one that I will always remember as being a
1: generation of talent. So. That's a good one, Brendan. Yeah, there's there's so many in the world of American sport, isn't there? I think, as we said, it's because their college system is is so strong, and that they're superstars before they even turn professional. So. There is a lot of expectation on the ones that go high in the NFL draft or high in the NBA draft, and uh, there's plenty that have uh, lived up to the billing, and that is one there. Okay, let's get to the newsroom. We're going to turn our attention to cricket. We'll take more of your calls a little bit later on. Just remember, two Tigers fans, upside, downside for the Tigers. Uh, coming out of the 1 o'clock news. But the Aussies are back in action tonight, making to, looking to make it three wins on the bounce at the Cricket World Cup. Ryan Harris will join us on the other side of the break.
8: Very happy to go back down to three. I've obviously batted there a lot over the last couple of years, so um, I feel really comfortable at three. And um, if you know, when, if and when Hedy comes back in, um, I think that's the best position for me to play for this team. I'm not sure who he'll replace at this stage, but... Um, I, p- I presume that if he's fit and he gets through today, that he'll play. But um, that decision will be made tonight. That was Mitch Marsh, who's in uh, wonderful form for
1: Australia, of course, making that century in the last game with David Warner. Aussies back in action tonight against the Netherlands. And we know that can be a danger game, given what they produced against South Africa. Former Australian fast bowler and SEN commentator Ryan Harris joins us for a McCafe co- coffee catch-up, the new McCrispie. It is the next best thing. Uh, good afternoon, Ryan. Good you, Julian. Nice to chat, mate. Yeah, you too, mate. Uh, what are you expecting tonight? If Travis Head is available, who do you think makes way in that uh, batting lineup for him?
7: Uh, I think Manus. I think Shane will drop out. I, I think um, you know, for what he's he's, he's done, a, a, you know, a role I guess so far he probably hasn't set the world on fire, and he's um, you know his strike rate probably hasn't been where they want it to be. But um, he's you know, with, with the early games, the, the trouble they are in, he, he you know, he's done a, a pretty good job trying to, you know, get through the innings, I guess, and trying to be that person to bat through. But, um, you know, I think with, with, with Trav coming back, as Mitch Marsh just alluded to, then I think he will drop the three and and, and Trav will drop, you know, drop straight into that uh, opening role.
1: You've been watching Travis head pretty closely as he's been uh, recovering from, from that injury. Uh, how's he been going? And I'm sure he's uh, been desperately keen to, to get back in action.
7: Yeah, no doubt about that. He... Um, he was definitely keen to get back over there, and especially with the team not starting as probably well as they would like. You know, as as his words were, were like the other day, it's it's you know it's not great sitting here and not being able to do and do anything and help them. So he he was dead keen to get back. He's probably pushing the barrier, I guess, with what he had and, and the time frame he's had. But you know he's done everything right. He's he's ticked every box um, while back here, and um, you know I threw balls to him actually the other a couple of days ago before he flew out and. Just you could see as the session went on, um, you know, the, the, the confidence and the strength he, he, he was getting out of that out of that hand. So, um, just looking at the vision on the news last night, even you know, um, he's facing quicks and and uh, he's batting full, you know, unrestricted nets, obviously, which which you have to be to play. So he, he looks like he's recovered really quickly, really well, and um, you know, as I said, he, he'll, he'll drop back into the top of that order, I think, and hopefully, you know, um, you know, given given what they need, the, the quick starts. Um, What they need, and and with Mitch Marsh at three, just adds that extra five power
1: in that middle. What have you made of the Australia's tournament so far? I guess you know historically in in World Cups and World Cups we've been successful. in just thinking off the top of my head, nineteen ninety nine, we have been slow in these tournaments at times, and then built into it. Is that what you can see with this Australian team, or after those first two performances, were you were you quite concerned about our prospects for this tournament?
8: Yeah,
7: yes, I was. only because I mean you're right. We, we we do we do have a knack to start slow, but I guess the the thing that for me was heading into this tournament. We've we've played a lot of cricket, a lot of one day cricket, and um, you know they've been away now I think for almost four or five months, or well, probably four months, coming out of the ashes. They had a decent break, but coming into this, that, that you know they have played a lot of cricket, but they never really got the team or the full squad that um, they you know they've got now. They never really played with that. I, you know I think Cummins and Stark. Or Hazelwood, I think played in. I don't think they played in South Africa. They played in India. Um, you know, there was only because of there was injuries. There was niggles here and there, t- coming at his wrists. Um, you know, so there was certain. You know, I think Mitch Stark had a, a, a an injury as well. So they didn't really have their full squad together. So I think as the games have gone on, um, ultimately not 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 uh, great performances, but you can see that they're building nicely and they're building into their you know consistency of their squad. Um, and as I said, to put. Chucking Trav back in there probably completes that. So um, there's no doubt they started slow, but I, I think yeah, what, with what I've seen, I think the other night, albeit it was a pretty, pretty, pretty good wicket, and, and Chennai's army um, when they played in Bengaluru was is a small ground. They still put on a big score, and um, you know did well to defend it. But I, I think they're building nicely. So let's hope that, as I said, with Hip with going in there completing the team that they probably are looking for, um, you know they start to fire. I think the bowling's been a little bit concerning. They've seen mm. a lot of runs, but I guess. Um, you know, as I said, with those wickets the way they are, we're seeing you know huge scores. I mean, South Africa are just they're they're, they're they're probably the benchmark at the moment. So there's lots of big scores, and it's tough for the bowlers, but they just got to find a way. So let's hope that they, you know, they I mean they they started off with Pakistan. Let's hope they kick start again tonight. The Netherlands is a tough, it's a danger game. I've you know I heard you say that. And, they beaten one big scalp already. Um, let's hope that uh, we can, you know, put it all together tonight and, and, and have a big win tonight.
1: I was going to ask you about the bowling. Uh, you know, we struggled to take early wickets. Uh, you know, Stark, Hazelwood, and Cummins—the combination. Would Would you continue with that combination? In particular, how have you seen Paddy Cummins's performance with the ball so far?
8: Yeah,
7: probably, pr- probably not up to where he would expect it to be. But I mean, not definitely not bad. But it's it's probably he's probably wanted more. Um, and you know, I think two weeks ago, to be honest, he, he was probably the. And I use this with greatest respect, the weakest link in that team. With you know, um, you know, wasn't the right makeup with having him in there. And he was probably the one that was probably going to make way with Stark doing what he does and his record, and, and Josh Hazel. I think's the number one bowler or number two bowler. So that looked like him being in a bit of trouble. But I think you know, he obviously is the captain. Paddy Cummins at his best is no doubt in your in your best team. So. And I think with not having another spinner there, and and bringing in a you know an all rounder, which would probably be Abbott or or, or a Cameron Green, you know, uh, are they are they you know substituting probably a little bit of bowling for a bit more batting? Um, and that was probably the dilemma they had. So, I think with Travis head coming in, obviously adds a bit more spin um, to that as well, and the off spin to go with Zampers leg spin, and um, that that evens probably the bowling in and out a bit more. So um, that that will be a big help having Travis's offies in there as well. So. Yeah, look, it probably hasn't been up to scratch, but um, you know, I think, as I said, it, it, it's I think it's gotten better as the games have gone on. So we'll hopefully see that again tonight.
1: Speaking with Ryan Harris, former Australian fast bowler and SEN commentator for a McCafe coffee catch-up. Does, does he need a rest, Pat Cummins? I know it, it's it's hard at the moment because we need to keep winning and we don't have that luxury in this tournament. But do you think he's going to need a rest at some stage? Oh,
7: I think I think he's had a, he had a rest in the after the asses. I think he, he missed a, again, he missed a tour or two with. Um, with his wrist, so I think that's a break, that probably force break that he probably needed. Yep. I, you know, I don't think, I don't think he's gonna, you know, unless unless the makeup of the team isn't right and he is the one to miss out. I, I can't see him sitting out and resting a game now, especially with how each game's almost a mini final. Um, I, I don't see that happening, and and I think Paddy's Paddy's pretty resilient now. I mean, he's been up other than, you know, a, a broken wrist or a cracked wrist or whatever he had. He, he's been pretty resilient with injuries. You know, not many soft tissue injuries, not many major injuries. So, I think he's conditioned for it. He obviously looks after himself really well and prepares really well in between games. You know, probably doesn't bowl uh, a lot during games and saves that all for the matches. So, look, I think, you know, taking on that role as captain, I think he knew he would have known how um, big it would have been and how, you know, missing games was probably not going to be a huge option. (laughs) So... I think, you know, he, he's, he's old enough and played enough cricket now to know what he needs to, to be fresh and be, and be ready to go when come game time.
1: How dangerous are the Netherlands? I mean, we saw what they did against South Africa. I was reading uh, their fast bowler Logan Van Beek said, you know, they're even a laughing stock still back in their home country. They believe they can make a semi-final. They've clearly got some self-belief. Would this, how big a shock would it be if they can beat South Africa and then beat us in consecutive matches? Oh,
7: I mean, <laughs> I mean that'd, be, that'd be huge. and 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 I hope that doesn't happen, but don't get me wrong. They they have the ability to do it. They have, you know, some of the scores they've put on the board against some of the big nations this this World Cup have been, you know, quite good. They've they've scored two eighty, two fifty, close to three hundred a couple of times. Um, so they they've no doubt got, um, you know, the, the 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 firepower to do it and the players to do it. It's just I think what they're lucky at the moment, which we see. With a few of the sort of lower or the minnows, as I used to call them, and again I, I say that with the greatest respect, that they, they they probably don't do it as consistently as they would have liked. So they've been around now international cricket for a long time, and they, and and they have taken down some big scalps. South Africa you know, being being one of them in, in two consecutive World Cups, albeit one being a T20 World Cup. So they've got the the, the, the um what's the word the, the players to yep. do it. Um and that's why this is a, you know, every game of the World Cup's a danger game, no matter who you're playing. So they they they, they definitely can do it. they as you said then they've knocked South Africa off and, and a team that I think at the moment are probably favourites. Um are going really well and they've and they've done them. So that's why it's a it's a yeah it's a huge game for us and and there's no doubt the players that the Australian squad know that as well, and and, and aren't taking this game lightly. So uh, I I expect it to be a good contest. There's no doubt about that. But I think hopefully we will be too strong for them. Hopefully.
1: Just one before we let you go, Ryan. You're a big part of the Redbacks' setup these days, hosting WA tomorrow in the Sheffield Shield. Uh, is there an exciting young talent we should be keeping an eye on in this Redbacks team? You know, Henry Hunt's name has been thrown up as a potential top order successor to you know Dave Warner or Usman Khawaja. Anyone else in this? Uh, SA team
7: we should be keeping an eye on. Oh, we've got a couple to be honest with the, with the bat. Um, I mean, the young Jake Fraser-McGurk, who's, who's moved over from Victoria yep. this season. Unfortunately, he's out tomorrow. He's just got a slight niggle in his hamstring, so we have, we're just going to be cautious with him. But he's probably one who's, who scored that record, um, you know, hundred yep. a couple of weeks ago. But I guess yeah, the other one that for me is, is probably Nathan McSweeney, who um, who made a, a very very good hundred last week against a very good New South Wales attack, and you know he, he he's one that's. Being in South Australia, you know, a couple of years, he made the move from Queensland. Um, he's, he's had some good exposure of the Australia A um, games and, and, and against good competition. Um, and as I said he made a, he made 60 on the first innings and a, and a really good 100 in the second innings, which got us you know, to a, a very good total. He, he's one that definitely people should keep their eye on. I think he, he's getting better and better each season as he learns more and more about the game. And the 100 he made the other day on a wicket that was... Nibbling round most of the game uh, against you know Jackson Bird and Chris Tremaine and um, a young a young Nisbet, um, from, from who was playing his first game who, who bowled very very well as well. So uh, yeah, Nathan McSweeney, keep, keep that keep that name uh, fresh in your mind. I think you'll see a bit of him over the next couple of years.
1: Beautiful in the little black book, uh, Ryan. Always uh, great to catch up. Good luck uh, with that Shield match starting tomorrow against WA.
7: Thanks,
1: Julie. Nice to chat, mate. Thank you. Always great to chat to Ryan Harris, a big part of the SEN Cricket Commentary team as well. Remember, uh, Raw, Ronald McDonald House Charities, fantastic charity. Buy a pair of silly socks for just five ninety five from now until November 18 to support the Ronald McDonald House Charities. This is Dwayne's World for Kangan Institute. Unleash you at Kangan Institute. Make sure you enrol now.
0: It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Kangan.edu.au. RTO 3077. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell.
1: Welcome back to the show, Julian DeStoop. Sitting in for Dwayne Russell. The 40 Wings temper blown up with suggestions of generational talents. Now a couple here. I wasn't having a go at Aaron Baddeley. He's had a very good career, as Jack points out. $23 million in prize money. That's US. Uh, eight world world-wide wins and got to number 16 in the world. But if you're a generational talent in golf, it's major wins that people are expecting. So I don't think he's quite lived up to the hype on that one, uh, and another one, uh, a couple of others saying we've been a bit harsh on a couple of people, but it's more about if you're a generational talent, the expectations are you're going to be right at the pointy end uh, of your sport. A few others, uh, morning Julio. What about the Windy Hill hype around Scott Gumbleton? Yeah, didn't quite live up to it, unfortunately, due to injury, says Ben in Adelaide. Another one saying we're being hard on Bernard Tomic was ranked number seven in the world. Well, that, that's not generational talent living up to hype. Number seven in the world, you need grand slams. You need to be in the top five. Possibly number one. So you'd have to say it didn't quite make it. Sam Bowie, the man Portland drafted instead of Michael Jordan. Injury ruined his career. Uh, Johnny Manziel from Damien Altona Meadows. Uh, Johnny Football. There's a really good documentary on him on Netflix as well. If you're interested in that sort of stuff. Uh, John Alomu was the youngest ever All Black just a month after his 19th birthday. Went on to be the best ever. Lock him in, says one of our favourites, Chris In Batemans Bay, uh, Kathy Freeman for Category 1. The hype she had winning silver at the Atlanta Olympics. And then her home games coming into Sydney, lighting the flame. Uh, And boy, did she deliver, says Freddie, who goes on to say, on Nathan Ablett, I played junior footy against him and he was by far and away the best talent I've seen on the same field. I also played against Sean Higgins, Travis Boak and Danny Stanley. His only knock was he was too much of a team player and two nice on the field. So uh, he was a talent. He would have been some sort of player. Uh, Nathan Ablett. Now, someone that uh, the Saints will be hoping turn into some sort of player. A uh, Very high draft pick. Bit of hype when he came in. Good pre-season game. And it was Paddy Wow. is Paddy Dow, who has joined the Saints. Uh, and courtesy of the Saints website, here's a bit of the new Saint, Paddy Dow.
8: Yeah, so the move started... There was conversations that started a few months ago uh, with Ross and Soss and their recruiting team. And um, yeah, after chats with them, it made the decision pretty easy and um, the things that I could potentially provide uh, for this club and um, yeah, so it made it very easy. And when it got done, I was, yeah, I was very glad to sort of uh, look forward and get started. Uh, I think it was just, there was a couple of text messages from Ross, um, just like providing a bit of support and uh, things like that. And then uh, I know sauce from Carlton and uh, through my draft, which, um, yeah, we had a bit of a relationship, and yeah, he definitely made it uh, pretty easy too. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the first five, six years of my career, I've definitely learnt a lot along the way, and um, yeah, I feel like um, I can only improve from here and hopefully, yeah, provide something for the football club. Uh, I think I've always played my best footy through the midfield, um, so I feel like, yeah, that's probably the position that I can add. But, yeah, hopefully, add some speed. I think that's uh, probably my bit of point of difference, and um Yeah, it was a very good game, that sinker, one. it was very close and um, a good atmosphere and everything. But, um, yeah, hopefully I can provide a bit of speed for the club.
1: Interesting watch in 2024. Paddy Dow, Steve Silvani, recruited him to Carlton, got him over to the Saints. Uh, Can he be a regular senior footballer and make an impact for St. Kilda. I think a lot of people wishing good things for Patty Dow including Carlton supporters. Uh, this is Dwayne's World for Kangan Institute. Unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Coming up on the show Marcus Harris, Dean Vickerman, AFLW rising star, Mia Austin and Tiger fans out of one upside, downside for 2024.
0: It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Hangan.edu.au. RTO 3077 Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell.
1: Coming up after the one o'clock news, it's upside downside time and today we're looking at the Tigers. So what is the upside for the Tigers in 2024? And on the flip side, what is the downside for the Tigers in 2024? Get on the line, Tigers fans. Uh, we'll hear from Neil Balm and take your pro- uh, take your calls. There's plenty of prizes to give away, it's a new year at Richmond. New coach, uh, you know, Andrew McQualter, long-time assistant interim coach, gone. Trent Cotchin's gone. Jack revolt has gone. I don't think the external expectations are going to be that high. So, Tigers fans, what are your expectations uh, for season 24? Just a couple more off the temper text on generational talents. Very clever from Slang, nominating Lonro, of course, the son of Octagonal. So big uh, horseshoes to fill. And certainly uh, did that very well. This is the interesting one from the world of golf. Still tied. There's a guy named Ryan Ruffles, best junior golfer in the world from age 10 to 18. Now can't make a cut on Mexico's secondary tour.
0: Very sad, says Brian Indramana. It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Kangan.edu.au. RTO three zero seven seven. Dwayne's World. We're Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to Dwayne's World. Julian De Stoop
1: sitting in for Dwayne, enjoying a much-needed and well-deserved break. Our sun shining all of a sudden. It was hailing when we came on air, but looking a bit better outside here in Melbourne. Uh, we've been asking in the first hour for generational talents. We've got more time to take your calls. Generational talents that have lived up to the hype straight away. Generational talents that were a slow burn, but ended up being champions, all those generational talents that... Uh, Never, ever lived up to the hype and uh, their careers, in the end, weren't that good a nomination here. How about SCN's very own Jared Waitley, says Chris. Absolutely. From the time that he, they tried to kick him out of Colonial Stadium doing the live cross, you knew this boy was going to be something special. He's lived up to the hype. A-Rod tells me he was a generational talent, certainly in the third category, complete flop seen absolutely no talent. Okay, we're going to talk some footy now. Yesterday, we started with the Bombers, and today it's the Tigers' turn for this.
5: Down, up, down, up, down, up, come on, more energy.
1: That just gets you going, doesn't it? Beautiful choice from Mitch and uh, A-Rod out the back. So it's what's the upside and what's the downside for the Tigers in 2024? Get on the line. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Werribee Kia Open Line Awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Tigers fans, what's the upside? What's the downside? What's the expectations? Before we get to Sam in Calcello, who's jumped on the line, Let's have a listen to Neil Baum this morning. Uh, He knows Adam Uze better than most. He coached him uh, at the Demons back in the 1990s. And uh, it's fair to say he's glass half full on the new coach and the club's prospects in 2024.
9: Well, the challenge in a lot of ways is to look at our list and say, what is it? We've got quite a few settled players. Now, with a couple of our really champions and older blokes going, it makes it... An opportunity to play the next slot. And then we look at it and we see a dozen or so kids that we've really hardly played and we really think can play. Now, we could be kidding ourselves because they haven't actually done it, but certainly a reasonable percentage of them will. And that's his challenge. Figure that out who's who's next in, where do they play, relate it to what positions are available, et cetera, et cetera. And if you can just get them to buy in. But I think the good thing is most teams play similarly. And, but he'll come in with his own extra ideas, which will give us a chance to be even better than we are, I think. Um, and, and that's that's what he'll bring. And the challenge is to make sure he connects well enough. But as I said, the way he's there, he's going to. There's no doubt that if players don't like the way he behaves, I'll be really surprised. Yep. So, And, and the balance of coaching is you've got to be there for them, but you've still got to challenge them. You've still got to make sure you make them better. You've still got to... Recognise what they do wrong, but do it in a positive way so that it gives them a way out. And I think he'll do that pretty well. So, And and it's a bit easier for a senior coach nowadays because you've got all your assistant coaches there. You don't have to do all the work. Yeah. You don't have to be, you know, the, the brassy voice or the one voice, if you know what I mean. So it's a bit easier in that sense. But um, but the challenge is to get used to what's the list and what, what can we get out of it and make the right decisions on who you play. So he'll get a lot of support, obviously, but... Um, And at first I'm thinking maybe we'll take a while to rebuild, but I don't think we will. I think we're in a pretty good place. And again, I'm the world's greatest optimist. (laughs) That's probably not reasonable. But um, I I reckon we'll be a real challenge. I've got no doubt. Yeah, no doubt at all.
1: Uh, bullish there, Neil Barm, always speaks a lot of sense. So, uh, Tigers fans, jump on the line. We've got some prizes uh, to give away, including a double pass to Cox Plate Eve at Mooney Valley on Friday night. 1300 736 736. Or send us through a 40 Wings Temper. 0433 98 Let's get to Sammy and Calcello, who's going to kick us off. Get a Sammy positive upside or negative downside for you? Or both?
4: Uh- just positive. not just positive. Um, all I expect from them is basically just to play like brothers and sisters. I mean, all together, strong, unite, and just boost, and just get the new kids involved. And, and, and who's able to do a, a fabulous job, guaranteed?
1: Of the new kids, uh, of, of the kids on your list, you know, sort of 21 and under, who, who do you like? Who do, who do you see is going to be a really good player for Richmond? Because there's a lot of these guys we've seen glimpses of, but we haven't seen a lot of oh.
4: I know, but the most—the most—it's really that I—I've I, always leaned on was Kocur uh, as a as a captain when he was a captain. I used to lean on him a lot. But these new kids coming
0: in—I I forgot the guy's name—the one that did his hamstring in the first five seconds. Yeah, Josh Gukas. Um,
7: Josh Gukas. Yep. He's—he's he's probably going to be my favourite player.
1: Yeah, look he he's an he's an he's one I had an upside for Richmond next year is the return of Josh Gipkis So terrible hamstring injury he's been overseas uh getting treatment on it we saw him in 2022 looks like a really good key defender was even swung for so Tigers fans uh thanks for your call Sam uh so upside for me was it's a fresh club nothing against Damien Hardwick nothing against Jack Revolt, nothing against Trent Cotchin who've all been fantastic Or servants is an understatement. They've been legends of that footy club. But it probably was time for for mass change at Richmond. And and we've seen what happened at Collingwood. Not saying they're going to be premiers in the next couple of years or even in the top four next year. But Collingwood had even bigger change. You know, new president, new CEO, uh, new coach. You can see sometimes that clubs just need a freshen up when they've had Uh, people there for a long time. So I think that's an upside, a new coach coming in with new ideas, new assistants uh, as well. Certainly at either end, Josh Gipkus was one I was going to mention, uh, you know, looks like the best credentialed young player on that Richmond list. Sorry, it was Jacob Bauer who did his hammy in the first five seconds of his debut, not Josh Gipkus who suffered it in the preseason last year. And of course, at the other end of the ground and the other end of his career, if he can be fit, Tom Lynch is a massive upside for Richmond next year, and they need him to be. With no Jack Revolt down there, you know, Samson Ryan still a, a young developing uh, Ford ruck. Uh, they need Tom Lynch to be back fit and playing really good footy. Downside for me, midfield speed. Is there enough speed in that Richmond midfield? You've got you know, Prestia, Ross, Martin when he's in there, Taranto, Hopper, Graham. Is there enough leg speed in that Richmond midfield? I know Adam Uze's big on ball movement and they'll probably play offensively a little bit differently than they have. And also, so Richmond fans, of the kids, which ones are you confident about? So you've got Gibkis, you've got Morris Rioli, Hugo Ralph Smith, Thompson Dow, Coulthard, Ryan, Mansell, Cumberland, Sonsi, who look really good uh, towards the end of 2022. Didn't get a look in this year and got a hefty suspension at uh, VFL level. Uh, Bauer and Young. Which one? Sam Banks, Tom Brown. There's a lot of young players at Richmond that we've seen a little bit of. Some look good. Others we haven't seen much. Some there's doubts on. So, Richmond fans, let me know which of these young players you're, you're really confident of that will have a big impact uh, under Adam Uze from uh, next year onwards. Give us a call. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Josh Jenkins uh, on Trade Radio a couple of weeks ago. He, he fears for Richmond next year. He thinks they could even finish bottom of the ladder. Uh, he just thinks it's, you know, they're, they're refreshing. They've come through a really strong era. They've lost some really good players. And and of those Premiership players that are, that are still there, have uh, how many have peaked and a past their best? You know, have we seen the best of Camden McIntosh? You know, Marlon Pickett hasn't been in the system that long, but he's in his 30s. Uh, Dylan Grimes at times looks like he was really struggling uh, this season. Nathan Broad had a good season. Toby Nan Curvis, obviously, Ivan Soldo traded. There's talk of Sam Naismith coming in, uh, the former Swans Ruckman, as a bit of a, a backup uh, there in case uh, Toby Nancurvis obviously doesn't, he's had some problems with his body as well. So Tigers fans, are you confident? Are you uh, hopeful or do you think it might be a bit of a struggle next year? I guess one of the other upsides for Richmond as well is the fact they did finish in the bottom six this year, which on paper uh, means their draw uh, should be a little bit better. So plenty coming through off the 40-wings uh, tempo. I'd love to give you a call as well. We've got that uh, double pass uh, to give away to uh Coxplate Eve at Mooney Valley on Friday night. So uh, one here saying that uh, Rioli, Ralph Smith, Gibcus, Dow, Cumberland, Young, are confident they're going to be good players. I I didn't name all Richmond's midfield there. I was just saying the ones that probably do lack a little bit of leg speed. Obviously, Shay Bolton and uh, Liam Baker, Uh, Do have leg speed, good players, uh, and are certainly going to be, you know, real pillars of this new generation uh, under Adam Uze. Tom Lynch, fit all season, is an upside uh, for another one here off the 40 winks. Uh, Temper Trout, this is the man I was hoping would call in. Trout, upside, downside, all the above for the Tigers next year, please.
5: Well, the upside is we've got three cups in the bank. All right, and in the last six years. So that's a positive. That's pretty so handy. A bit of a, yeah, we're a bit of a rebuild. At the moment we get Cosie comes in and, and everyone talks football and they say, oh, he's not that good. We need someone to place Jack. He just has to get the ball to the ground and our young fellas will come running in. And I think um, the Nankervis will have to do the ruck again. And there's um, We've still got, people forget, they say we've got no ruck. We've got um, Young and uh, Miller that do yep. to help out at both ends. So I, I think the upside is we're better than what people think. Will we make the top eight next year? Well, let's wait and see. Um, the downside is that we've still got a few more players that are going to go out of the system in the next two to three years because of the, the way we won 2017. I think, to for record, I could be wrong, but I can't remember another team having a grand, winning the grand final and not getting rid of one player with the premiership that year.
1: Yeah, and normally a couple go. That is true. So who of the young kids are you confident on, Trout? So coming through on the 40 Wings temper here, uh, quite a few Tiger supporters are really excited by Jimmy Tresize, who uh, we saw late in the year. Uh, Judson Clark, some uh, some fans. Tyler Young are pretty confident about Give me two or three of the young players at Richmond that we've seen glimpses of that you think will become really good players in the next you know three or four years. Well, well look,
5: I'm, I'm excited with, with um, Young and Miller. I think they, they can read the ball in the air. They're a little bit slow at the moment, but I think with that they'll, they'll burn that puppy fat off. Um, I just think those the tall guys that we need to replace because Grimes is going to go on that. But as you said, Banks is a beautiful kick. And you've got um, Judge, Judge Juddy there. He, he's, he's a beautiful kick and all that sort of stuff. And he's not scared. Like, they, they've got no fear. They, they do play well. Um, well. I think we've still got to bleed them a, a little bit more, but I think we're on the bright path.
1: What do you expect from Jacob Hopper next year? Obviously, Tim Taranto more than lived up to his billing. Best and fairest, clearly your best player this year. What do you expect from Jacob Hopper, who had some injuries, but even when he was playing, he he didn't have a great impact?
5: Yeah, look, I think that it's a bit of a change in the guard. I think Taranto went in and took probably the spot that that Hopper probably could have played. I think um, um, Taranto's now settled in, and I think now Hopper was uh, injury-free um, he doesn't have to do exactly or more than what Torando does. He's just got to, you know, get as, just as much uh, ball and just knock the ball around and use the body a bit, I think. I, I, just, I don't think you can compare him to the same players.
1: So, uh, finals next year or not, Trout? What do you think?
5: I would say, well, look, I'm, I'm an optimistic man and I think. Uh, I think uh, we'll make the top eight. I think we'll, we'll move back in. We've got a uh, moved into that section where you get the bottom six, get a bit easier draw. Yep. I think that'll help us. I think if you look at our season in a nutshell, as, as bad as we've played sometimes, we're in games.
1: That's true. Yeah, no, you had a, a number of losses by, you know, four goals or less. So you're not that too, too far away. Uh, Trout, thanks for your call as always. Uh, couple of tickets to Cox Plate Eve are there for you uh, if you want them. Samson Ryan, another one here coming off saying, needs to add about uh, 30 kilos. I'm not sure 30 kilos. He might be a bit top heavy. Another one here saying, well, Tommy Lynch is healthy. He was at Sandy Driving Range last night. Well, hopefully he's hitting the ball nicely. And uh, geez, it's a big, big upside for the Tigers if he is back fit and fiery next year. Let's get to Yusuf in Broadmeadows. G'day, Yusuf.
10: G'day, matey. How's things?
1: I'm well. How are you?
10: Yeah, not bad. Just, um, obviously, I'm a Brisbane Lions supporter. I just want to touch base on the Lions. You know, just where to, really, from here now with Chris Fagan and Lockie Neal? Do we go on and play in another grand final? Can we get over the line? Do we play more games at the MCG? You know, we don't really have a big-body mid that can kick goals. Do you train Cam Rayner for the preseason to get him to be the big-time midfielder to kick goals from 55? Lockie Neal clearly needs some help around the ball. Hugh McCluggage and Josh Dunkley go missing. I'm not sure if Josh Dunkley kicked many goals this year. We'll obviously get Will Ashcroft back, which is good. You know, not too sure on Joe Danaher and Eric Kipwood as well. You know, maybe one of them needs to get dropped every now and again just to earn his spot on the side. And also, Jack Dunstan. Just wondering why Chris Fagan didn't pick him to play in the grand final like The three-time premiership player. Why wouldn't you play him? Why would you bring him to the club if you're not going to let him play in the finals?
1: Well, who who are you leaving out for the grand final? I mean, their their form was solid, obviously really good. They won their finals. They got through to the grand final. They were kicking big scores. Who are you leaving out of that side in the grand final to bring Jack Gunston in? You You take out Eric Hipwood. You can't take out Eric Hipwood. He's been your staple alongside Joe Danaher for the entire season.
10: I think he's a little bit inconsistent, to be honest. You know, he, he, he shies away on the big stage. He's still a little bit young. He still needs to fill out his frame. I think he's slightly, slightly undersized. Not in height, just in width and, and, and thickness. Um, Joe Danner all good. But, yeah, I, I think Eric Hepwood really needs to step up if, if we're going to go on and win a flag.
1: Look, there's no reason you can't be right there again. Your list is... Great stage in terms of age profile. Joe Danaher's coming off his uh, best season. And look, yeah, Josh Dunkley. I think, I think you're a bit harsh to say Josh Dunkley goes missing. I think he had an excellent season. He's not a goal kicker. Never has been and probably never will be. But I thought he was excellent support for Lockie Neal this year. And, well, Lockie Neal won the Brownlee. So I think the supporting role of, of Josh Dunkley worked beautifully uh, for the Brisbane Lions. Thanks for your call, Yusuf. Keep your calls coming. 1-300-736-736. Tigers fans, if you've got some more upside-downside, we're doing it for WorkLocker, Caram Downs and Pakenham. Work where, for wherever you work. Uh, give us a call, one 736 We're going to talk some basketball uh, later on this hour with Dean Vickerman. Now, first NBA game of the season has been one run and done. If you don't want to know the score, as Drew Morford would say, just uh, turn the tally down, turn the radio off for a minute. Uh, so it was the defending champions, the Nuggets, hosting the Lakers, and the defending champions started the season beautifully, winning 119 to 107. Uh, Nikola Jokic, just a little bit slow out of the box today, 29 points, 13 (laughs) rebounds, 11 assists. Jamal Murray, 21 points for the Denver Nuggets. For the Lakers, LeBron James top scored with 21 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 assists, so a good start there for the defending champions, the Denver Nuggets. Plenty more NBA games today and tomorrow as we get ready for the much-anticipated debut of Victor Vem- Vemuniana. spit that out properly. There's plenty more nominations for generational talent as well uh, off the 40 Wings 10, but we've got a Signet Boost Power Bank to give away as well. So keep your calls coming. one 736 736 on the Werribee Care open line. This is Dwayne's World for Kangan Institute. Unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now.
0: It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Kangan.edu.au. RTO 3077. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome
1: back to the show. Julian Stoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell. I tell you what, there is never a dull moment in the West when it comes to the West Coast Eagles. Dockers a bit dull in 2023. West Coast on and off the field. AFLW, AFL, plenty going on, and the man that is all over it is Tim Gossage, SENWA breakfast host, of course, who joins us this afternoon. Uh, morning, your time, Goss.
6: Uh, hello, Jules. Yes, good morning to you. Yes, the West Coast Eagles are an all-or-nothing type of club. Yeah. in flags or have have drama and Fremantle. Well, they're just plain Jane. They don't do much.
1: Mid-table mediocrity is not something West Coast do, is it? <laughs>
6: <laughs> no, they do not. They command headlines uh, in big, and they go in they go in uh, big moments or they go completely under the radar.
1: So how's this news been met in the West today that Michael Pryor's time is up uh, with the AFLW team? Interesting, because it comes a couple of days after probably the best win the club has had in its AFLW history.
6: Yeah. um, Put it this way, I received a call literally five minutes before going off air with Scotty doing breakfast this morning, Scotty Cummings over here. Uh, You don't know where this has come from, but uh, Michael Pryor is about to stand down. So I threw a line out saying there was news coming out of West Coast had it confirmed, um, texted a, a contact who said probably survived a week longer than many thought. He didn't have a good week last week where he was critical of the AFL fixturing and basically through know, his players' skill sets and abilities under the bus a little bit, You know, talking about how bad they were in comparison to a team like Melbourne. Didn't go down well with the playing group. The captain sat alongside him, Emma Swanson, in a press conference. Not exactly sure she uh, was supportive of the coach at the time. They were already well uh, focused on bouncing back, and they did a job against Essendon, which is a fantastic win for the footy club, as you mentioned. So the timing of it is probably time to breathe after probably not a great week for him last week, and he probably thought to himself, well, I'm probably not going to be there next year going forward. He still has a job with the footy club.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. He works in
6: community. Yeah, well, because the AFLW team... It's a little bit of a different setup. It's it's almost like not a standalone part of the club. It is a part of the community uh, section and services and engagement of the of the football club, and they do a lot through the Nick, Nat Nui. Um, uh, engagement, and Hamish Brayshaw is a part of that and uh, a part of uh, uh, developing the, the club at a community level across all facets, and the women's football program is a part of that. So I do think they need to get that in order as well. So Michael will stay at the football club. Don't think it comes as any great shock that he's not going to coach next year, but at the same time, he's, I probably felt he probably read the room about that and probably thought now i want to go out on top with a win. So depending on what he wants to do in regards to his own coaching career going forward.
1: Had he lost the players, do you think?
6: I don't know about lost the players. Look, I was critical and I'm still am critical. Um, I think the program needs a real spit and polish. Mm. I really do. I look at And again, this might be the way it gets separation from the community aspect of the football club. Um, They've got an incredible young talent group, a really, really impressive young talent group who I think are going to be very good in years to come. Um, have they lost the players? I think last week was a bad week. And I think if you could go back and listen to Emma Swanson and the way she spoke that we were gobsmacked But what he said post-game uh, against you and know, they got flogged by Melbourne at home, they kicked two goals. I'll say this, Jules, and I've said it publicly and I'll say it again. West Coast Eagles team and i don't know if this is the program or just the players their best are elite but they drop off very quickly mm-hmm. and that goes for in particular their skills and in particular their fitness levels i look at melbourne and i and i think it's a different beast i think melbourne and the collingwood probably adelaide brisbane i look at those players i look at those players and i go wow their skills their speed their knowledge of the game is elite. Mm. And then I look at West Coast, and they are so far off the pace. And I don't think that's Michael, but he's been there almost three years. I don't think that's Michael's sole sole fault. But um, they've got to do something, because they've got some really good talent, and that young talent won't want to hang around. Ella Roberts is elite. Elite. in Any team in the competition, she won't hang around if they keep dishing up really poor performances, and they've got to get fitter and their skills have to improve markedly.
1: Across town, the Dockers. We're talking to Tim Gossage, SENWA breakfast host, the men. Uh, what's going to happen at Fremantle in the off-season? You'd have to say their list didn't improve, obviously, over the trade period, losing a, a couple of pretty important players to them. And Justin Longmire goes into next season, last year in his contract. Well, has there been any talk, will he get an extension before next year, early next year? How's that going to sit?
6: Well... That's a good question because there's two trains of thought here. One is, uh, should he get an extension? Because the list and the way that you know where they've gone at the trade and what they did to get Luke Jackson and all this sort of stuff, how that's played out is not solely his fault. And whether he's a big part of it, whether he has a lot to do with list management, I'm not exactly sure. So Every club does it differently. I know Adam Simpson has no impact on list management. He didn't even go to the combine, I'm of to believe. Um, so and he you know, hasn't done any interviewing of players. He sort of interviews the season players who are trying to get a second gig at it rather than the youngsters who are going to be drafted. So every club does it very, very differently. Um, so there's some that think that Luke uh, Justin Longmuir needs to be signed now as a, a uh, as a show of support to say he's the right man, and there are some that saying that he is coaching for his career. Um, I think the list is all right. I think the list is good enough to be competitive. I, I think if Darcy and Jackson get it together they still got to make... I think their back line's fine. I think their midfield's okay. Their forward line has to function. Yep. If Darcy comes back, then Jackson plays forward. Jackson's got to kick 40 goals. They've got to get Amos and Sturt and a couple of others. But bottom line is they need to kick bigger scores to win. I, I, I think he's safe. And I, and I think they're still very much in a top-four window. I think if they can get top six, it would guarantee his tenure. Top four will give him a long-term extension. But if they have a very, very, very poor start, I think Justin's going to be staring down the barrel.
1: Just finally, Goss, uh, as you said, you got the mail about Michael Pryor today and you were spot on. But in this industry, it doesn't always work out. I've got to give you credit because sometimes when we don't get it right, you've got to have the ability to take the mickey out of yourself. And you certainly did that <laughs> with Devin Robinson a couple of weeks ago, adding that you predicted yeah. a recalled yeah. bounce in the grand final, which is that opening bounce. That, that's not easy to do, Goss. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah,
6: so we had this uh we had to make the, the uh the call in our pre pre grand final chat with Scotty Cummings and Gary Gibson, the hundred and seventy seven gamer for Frio. And something from left field of mine was the first bounce in the grand final would be recalled. Very good with? Thank you. Yeah, and I did I just uh, Devin Robinson, I was taking it to the bank, my contact was absolutely watertight and then Devin Robinson walked out of his exit meeting and I got made to look stupid. Eight. That's okay. I've been made I've been hey Apparently, I've been made to look stupid before. I'm happy to have it once or twice in my career, no, but I no. haven't got too much wrong over the journey. No,
1: Thank that you. is a rumour. I've never heard that before. <laughs> uh, Goss, uh, thanks for jumping on. Always appreciate your time.
6: <laughs> hey, good on you, Jules. I'm glad you're doing the show because that means I'm not. Thanks,
1: mate. Oh, good on you, Tim. <laughs> Let's get to the newsroom. That's the way Thank you, Amy. is a great skill in this industry. No one does it better than our own Andy Ma. He's out the back preparing for another big edition of the Run Home with Andy and Gazy. Also texting in on the 40 Wings temper. Generational talent that didn't make it. Andy Ma. Kick 99 for Marcelin. Just to add, I really like him and listen every day. Clearly got a burner account, uh, KC. And they are back in town, baby. <laughs> KC is claiming uh, to be KC. That is clearly Andy. Ma, let's get to the open line. <laughs> Wherever you key? open line, 736-736 If you'd like to join us, uh, Dean Vickerman, coach of Melbourne United, not too far away. Grant from Wodonga has jumped on. G'day, Grant. Uh, how
7: are you doing? Um, actually, I've just transferred over to uh, back to God's country in Adelaide. Um, just want to see picky just want to uh, pick up on what one of the previous callers said. If we look at like Dacos and say Luke Pedler and and these new sort of like midfield players coming in, they're skilled. They're highly skilled, mm-hmm. but they're also athletic as well. I think personally, I think that's actually changing the game. Is that we go rather than going back to the athletes that we had in the early two thousands, we're going to going to a more attractive sort of skilled game rather than seeing players just run around up and back, you know, creating um, stoppages if we've got these skills that make the skill, more skilled players that we're turning into athletes that make the game more attractive.
1: It's a good point, Grant. You're right. Certainly there were, in early 2000s, all the vogue was the athlete, wasn't it? And you look at, you know, Kuda and, uh, you know, Trent Croed and these sort of players. The, it was almost athlete first, footballer second, and then you had the ones that Sort of broke the mold if you look at a Sam Mitchell, for example. But I think you're right now that the, the game—if you can't kick the ball in today's footy—you're in all sorts of trouble with the the amount of pressure that's on the ball carrier, uh, all these sort of things. If you can't kick the footy, uh, you're in big trouble. And uh, Luke Pedler, as you mentioned, there's a good example. Thanks for the call, Grant. A Signet Boost Power Bank valued at forty-four ninety-five coming your way. Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered twenty-four seven. Just a reminder: Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip to two to American Footy's biggest game, worth over seventy. Grand, just shop in store at Beaumont's before number, November 12 and you're in with a chance. T's and C's apply. Coming up after the break on Dwayne's World for Kangan Institute. Unleash you at Kangan Institute. Make sure you enroll. Now the coach at Melbourne United, Dean Vickerman.
0: It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Kangan.edu.au RTO 3077. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell.
1: Welcome back to the show. Dean Vickerman to join us uh, in about 30 seconds time. Uh, just quickly to uh, a temper text here. I wasn't saying Anthony Kuda was an athlete first and a footballer second. I was just saying that given the football he produced and the athletic qualities he had, I probably didn't explain it properly, that then recruiters did look for the athlete. Uh, so I wasn't saying Kuda um, was not a skilled player and was certainly... Uh, a player that uh, was just recruited for his athleticism. Uh, But uh, just to clear that one up, Dean Vickerman, not too far away. Just a few more off the 40 Winks temper. We did uh, upside, downside for the Tigers. Uh, We've got some calls and plenty of text. Uh, One here saying uh, Richmond are going backwards before they go forwards for the reasons you've outlined, I believe. Hopper and Taranto were sold a lemon by Damien Hardwick too, says Josh in Bandura. Uh, Ash says if Adam Uze can get the ball into the forward line efficiently, the Tigers could still be anything. They actually got the ball forward a lot in 2023, but wasted it. They've got the cattle. They just need to get the ball through the big sticks. Uh, Michael says uh, starting off saying you have three cups in the back bank is like Essendon saying they've got 16 in the bank. It's irrelevant for 2024, says Mike. In digger's rest... Uh, Dean Vickerman and the Melbourne United are flying at the moment. Top of the table. The only defeat they suffered was at the hands of the Jack Jumpers. They go down to Tassie on Friday night to play them again. And they face the Hawks at John Kane Arena on Sunday. Make sure you watch the Hungry Jacks NBL live on ESPN. And Dean Vickerman joins us this afternoon. Afternoon, Dean. Afternoon. Great to have you on the program, and uh, I know you probably don't like talking about yourself, but it's your 300th NBL game on Friday night against the Jack Jumpers. You've got some of the all-time greats of the sport uh, just ahead of you on the list. What does that milestone mean to you?
3: Um, yeah, you know it's it's kind of fun seeing your name against um, some guys that very early in my career either coached me or you know were a part of my development as a coach. Um, so yeah, that part's enjoyable. Like, you know, I see the 300 and actually, you know, kind of double it. Say, so, you know, I spent 11 years as an assistant coach and a few games as a player. And so, you know, just being around this league for 20 years and seeing the growth is pretty cool. Is it going quickly? Yeah, well, you look back and you know that we're celebrating the the 93 uh, Tigers championship this weekend, the 30 years. And um, so, yeah, I was, I was with the team the year before in 92 when we lost to the Magic and... Yeah. You know, still just remember, you know, um, that time, and it doesn't seem that long ago.
9: Yeah,
1: it's great that you're celebrating. Uh, That was a fantastic team and a a fantastic grand final series. uh, Celebrating that on Sunday. As we said, it's a really good start to the season. Just one defeat so far, sitting on top of the table. What's pleased you most so far with the way the team's performing?
3: Yeah, we haven't had our full roster on the floor yet. So, um, you know, covering for... Uh, JLA to start with and and, you know now Delhi going down for a few games and so you know just the ability to step up last year when we had some injuries we weren't able to cover uh, those positions Uh, we've got a high IQ team so you know even on these double weekends we've had very limited preparation for games but this group's been good enough to just watch video for five minutes and be able to execute a game plan
1: And defensively, uh, really strong so far as well. You mentioned uh, Matthew Della there, missed uh, the the two games on the weekend with concussion. How's he coming along, and when do you think he'll feature again?
3: Yeah, tracking well, you know, past all the concussion protocols that he needed to. They put him through pre-extensive testing yesterday and got a a big tick on that one. Um, Yeah, got into some non-contact part of practice today, and so... Um, yeah, we just got to ramp him up with some contact um, You know, planning on having him back for next week.
1: You mentioned uh, JLA before back in the team, you've been managing his minutes the first couple of games and Ariel Huckporty started the season in sensational uh, fashion. It's probably a nice problem to have but balancing their time on the court together, how much court time they get, how, how difficult is that going to be?
3: Yeah, I think it's been good for Joe to, you know, we play him 15 and you know, 21 in the in the first two games. And just as he comes back into it, you know, if we had a stretch to him much further than that, I think there was, you know, some risk. So, you know, it's been fantastic. But Ariel's deserved every minute he's played for us this year and he's been outstanding. So to have those guys split minutes for uh, maybe this weekend as well, and then we just want to get some reps where those two have the ability to spend some time in practice playing together and see what that part looks like as well.
1: Speaking to you, Melbourne United, coach Dean Vickerman coaches his 300th NBA, NBL game on Friday night against the Jack Jumpers down in Hobart. As you mentioned, it's been a really strong start to the season. And we hear, you know, sort of football coaches say that they don't really get a read on the competition sometimes until everyone's played everyone once or, you know, the halfway mark of the season. For you, when what stage of the season do you think it really settles down and you can assess how well your team's going who are going to be the teams there at the business end and, and maybe the teams that, that won't quite be there?
3: Yeah, you know, we're just coming off this first quarter of the season and you go 6-1 and one and you're obviously pleased with the outcome of, of that one. But there's so much growth uh, left in in this team. And, um, you know, the schedule, everyone's got a different schedule at this time of year. So I, I think to me, once you've reached that halfway mark where you, where you have played everybody and you've played... Um, you know, a number of top four teams you can kind of really assess yourself and there's a bunch of different styles in the league this year as well. So you may do well against one style and not so well against another. So yeah, I think mid year will be have a fair indication of where everyone's at.
1: What makes the Jack Jumpers such a difficult team to play against? We know Jordan Crawford, Milton Doyle, that partnership is looking really good at the moment. They scored twenty five and eighteen respectively when you played them a couple of weeks ago. But overall it seems like maybe externally people underrate them a little bit the jack jumpers but the way they started this season uh has been really impressive
3: yeah you know it starts with their with their physicality and their disruption defensively they they're going to try and force you into making mistakes um if you're good enough to handle their pressure and be able to pass the ball through it and and um execute how you cut off it and how you shoot the basketball you you know you give yourself a good chance and and then there's a rhythm that they play with down in Tassie and the crowd excitement that you can't just let a, a run stretch out very long as well. You need to be able to stop it with great execution, a timeout, um, you know, a big play offensively as well. So, um, But, yeah, they have um, you know, those two guys, Crawford and, and Doyle, who are you know, elite one-on-one players or are a great system team. Um, but then you've got two guys that can break out of it and just get it get their own shot as well.
1: You mentioned that there's so many different styles in the league this year. Is that from the teams that have maybe changed coaches or changed personnel significantly, or have you even noticed some teams that haven't had that much change, whether it's coaching or players, that have, have tweaked their styles as well?
3: Yeah, I just think that, you know, having different coaches in our league, having, you know... Um, you know the Sydney coach come from the NBA and the G League and then New Zealand coming from Israel and you know we're just bringing in lots of different flavors Um, you know Adam Ford's you know got his group of of young kids playing with a you know different style to everyone else as well so I think you know everyone's just maximizing you know the talent that they have and um, understanding what they grew up with and the style of play that really suits. And so, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun just uh, trying to navigate the, the different styles in the league.
1: Tough couple of days for Jack White, waived by OKC. If he, if he can't pl- find another place on a roster or pick up another NBA contract, is, is there a possibility, given you've got the NBL rights to him, that you could find a place for him on your roster?
3: Yeah, I guess there's always a possibility, but... Um, you know he's too talented you know, right now at this stage of his career to win a, to be a part of an NBA championship team and um, you know I'm sure there's a at least a, a two way out there for him if, if not a full roster spot but um, again you know we've built a great relationship with him and if there was ever a chance to to bring him back to Melbourne if the NBA didn't work out we'd always entertain it.
1: Dean, congratulations, 300 games. It's a, a magnificent uh, achievement, as you say. A, a lot of other basketball there as a player and an assistant coach. Uh, good luck on Friday night and also back here on Sunday against the Hawks at John Cain Arena. Thanks for your time.
3: I uh, appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Great to chat to Dean Vickerman. So Friday night, it's against the Jack Jumpers in Tassie and then back home Sunday, 2 p.m. at John Cain Arena, 6-1 and 1 Melbourne United, take on the Hawks. Of course, if you want tickets, get them at tickertech.com.au.
0: It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Kangan.edu.au. RTO 3077. Dwayne's World with Dwayne
1: Russell. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeSoup sitting in for Dwayne Russell. Plenty to come after two o'clock. Uh, Australian and Victorian opening batter Marcus Harris will join us. Can he get his spot back in that test team uh, when David Warner retires? Uh, he just needs to make runs this Sheffield Shield season. Gets another opportunity tomorrow. Uh, Weather permitting, of course, the Vicks take on New South Wales at the MCG. Tough start to the Vicks and the Shield. Lost both matches by an innings. Uh, hopefully they can turn that around, starting with the match against New South Wales we going to chat some AFLW uh, with one of the Rising Star nominees this week, Mia Austin from the Blues. Key forward, kicked a couple of goals uh, on the weekend in a big couple of games for the Blues. Sit Ninth at the moment, they take on the Bombers at Windy Hill and then the Saints to come as they try and push back. Uh, into the top eight, just a couple more off the 40 Winks uh, tempo. We will talking to Tim Gossage before about the Dockers. Uh, Phil from Abbotsford, Abbotsford says Frio will get their improvement from within got a nice group of under 23s yep they do have some young talent young list but I think as Goss said the uh, forward line they need a bit more out of that Uh, and uh, if you look at Will Day John Newcombe etc top draft picks are overrated when compared to development of the players uh, when we're talking about the number one pick uh, says uh, Jeff so plenty coming up after two straight after
0: Marcus Harris it's time to unleash you at Kangen Institute Enroll now. Kangan.edu.au. RTO 3077. Dwayne's World with Dwayne
1: Russell. Welcome back to the show. Julian De stoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell. Big final hour coming up. Marcus Harris, uh, Victorian and Australian Open, will join us in a sec. We'll also speak to the AFLW, one of the AFLW rising star nominees from this week in Mia Austin. Just before we get to Marcus, a bit uh, the team at the Western Bulldogs around Luke Beveridge uh, continues to grow, continues to change. So Daniel Pratt's come in as defensive coach, Matthew Egan, and now Jaron Geary. Former St Kilda captain, uh, just announced by the Western Bulldogs, will join the club's coaching ranks as the development and player leadership coach in season 2024. So very different team around Luke Beveridge for season 2024. But it's cricket season and the Vicks are back at the MCG tomorrow. They take on New South Wales in the Sheffield Shield and opener. Marcus Harris has been good enough to join us. Afternoon, Marcus. Hey, mate. How are you? Very good. Uh, great to have you on the show. Uh, fair to say, though, it hasn't been the ideal start to the Shield season for the Vicks. How's the mood in the camp?
11: Uh, yeah, it's actually pretty good considering the start we've had in the uh, red ball stuff. Um, obviously a bit of a disappointing start, but um, I think we've been playing all right in the one day. So the, the mood's still good around the camp. Um, and I think with a young group, the, the boys don't hold on to too much. So um, we're ready and raring to go tomorrow.
1: Good news this morning. Chris Rogers saying Will Pekoski's fit and ready to go. I'm sure like everyone in Australian cricket, you'd just love to see this young man get an extended run at it, and particularly for you, uh, batting with him at the top of the order for, for a long time to come.
11: Yeah, that would be nice. Um, yeah, we'll have to see how he goes. He's um, played obviously played the first game and didn't play last week, so um, it's good to see him back out there for tomorrow, and hopefully he can string a few games together.
1: How nice has it been having Peter Siddle back in this in the lineup and around the group?
11: Yeah, it's great to have Sids back. Obviously, have someone with um, experience like he has um, He's brilliant. And then, uh, like last week when Scotty Boland was rested, we had to be able to have someone like Peter Siddle come in. He's brilliant. So he's been really good around the group. Uh, really good for the younger boys as well to learn from, and um, his energy is infectious. So. He's been good to have around.
1: Bit of a different calendar this year with the, you know, the test summer and the BBL starting later, not until mid-December, which gives you a really nice long patch of Red Bull cricket. Does that does that make life a little bit easier?
8: Yeah, it,
11: it is good. Um, obviously, with the World Cup, things have been pushed back a little bit. So um, it is good just to have a nice block of games before all that sort of stuff kicks off. So um, I think we've got six Shield games before the first test is played which is not until, you know, mid to late December. So um, there's still plenty of time before then. So give everyone a good chance, have a good hit and be ready and raring to go by um, the middle of December.
1: Personally, you've been around the Australian team, you know, for a couple of years now since your last Test match. How, how difficult can that be when you're around the team a lot, but you're not playing just to, you know, to get back going when you, when you actually do get back out there and play some matches?
11: Oh, like, it's not its not ideal. You would lo- love to be playing, but it could be a lot worse. You could be um, not around the group at all. So I've been fortunate to be in the group the last couple of years and um, be a part of with the boys over a successful period of time. Um, we've been playing some good cricket. So, um, like I said, it's not i uh, you'd prefer to be playing, but, like I said, it's still been nice to be in the squad and be around and trying to get better and trying to learn from, you know, the, the brilliant players that we've got in that team. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a good couple of years, even though without being able to play, to still be part
1: of the group. It's been frustrating at times, though.
11: Oh uh, yeah, it always gets frustrating as a cricketer. You want to be playing and any sports person you want to be playing all the time. So um, when you're not playing, and it looks like a good batting wicket, and blokes are having a bit of a fill up, you wish you're out there. But um, yeah, but that's just the way that it is.
1: It's about time some of these older blokes like Dave Water <laughs> and Usman Khawaja just stepped aside. We know Dave is going to, but uh, they've had their time in the sun, haven't they, Marcus? Oh, they've probably earned the right
11: to <laughs> um, play as long as they want. So, um, yeah, that'll all sort itself out in the next little bit. But um, I'm sure the shoe will be on the same foot at some stage later in my career. So you don't wish anything negative
1: on those blokes. Nah, plenty of time for for you. So I mean we know that there is a spot opening up. David Warner is retiring so there's yourself, there's Cam Bancroft, Matt Renshaw, Henry Hunt even Will Pekoski are uh, all out there as potential openers in the Australian team. Have you, have you had conversations with the selectors or is it is it pretty straightforward what you need to do and, and that's make runs?
11: Uh, yeah we always sort of talk. Um, probably the last proper conversation I had with them was in England but uh, obviously the World Cup going on and all that sort of stuff. There's a few other things they've got to worry about rather than what I'm doing. So, um, but yeah, like you said, if you make runs, all that stuff looks after itself. So, like I said, I've been around the group the last couple of years, so that should hold me in good stead. And when that time comes, we'll see what happens. But I feel like I'm pretty well prepared.
1: Speaking to Victorian and Australian opener Marcus Harris, Vicks back in action at the MCG tomorrow, day one of their Shield game against New South Wales. How much have you learnt? from a guy like David Warner, not just on the field, off the field, dealing with pressure. And I guess in a different sort of way, Usman Khawaj has had a lot of ups and downs in his career as well. well. What have you learned from those two guys, as you say, being around the team for a long time now, and particularly those two guys?
11: Oh, probably just uh, how resilient you have to be to be an international sports person. I think, like you said, Davey's had his ups and downs, and so has Uz. Um, I know with us, you know, he played in 2019, and then he said publicly he didn't think he was going to play much after that when he got left out. But I think he's shown if you can stick at it and um, apply yourself, that you've still got plenty of cricket to play when you think your time's done. So that's probably the main thing I've learned from those boys and all the boys in the Aussie team. It's such a um, you know you're under constant scrutiny in that side, and everyone deals with it in a different way. But you see how blokes are still able to perform even when. Um, there's a certain narrative or whatever about someone. So I think that's probably the main thing is they can put it aside and when they're out on the field, they just worry about playing cricket and let everyone else worry about all the other stuff. Um, But I think the best players are the ones that are the best at doing that and um, can just go about their business and not worry about, you know, all the other stuff that's going on.
1: When you get your next opportunity, how much better prepared do you think you will be given what you've experienced, on, whether it's technically, whether it's mentally, how much better do you think you will be prepared when that next opportunity comes knocking?
11: Oh, I think as you get older, you're always a bit better prepared. I think all the um, the ups and downs you've had throughout your career always make you a better player. I think if you speak to anyone that's played any any sport for a long period of time, they always get a bit better as they get a bit older just with um, the experiences they've been through, experiencing ups and downs. Um, and I think, you know, my test career probably hasn't, or obviously hasn't gone to plan so far with the way you'd love it to go as a kid. You know, you dream of making 100 every test and blitzing it, and never getting dropped <laughs> or anything like that. But um, I think I learned that pretty quickly in my Shield career, that you've got to go through the ups and downs to get to, to the period where um, you hopefully have some success. So I feel like... Um, with experience in the last couple of years, I've played a lot of cricket. I've been playing at home and in England, so I've got plenty of cricket under my belt, and that should hold me in good stead shouldn't that opportunity come up.
1: Just played the one Shield game so far, personally, of, the, of two Victorian, uh, both Victorian games, uh, missed out, and not alone there, unfortunately, it hasn't been working. With the bat for the Vicks so far, how do you feel you're hitting them, though?
11: Yeah, not bad. I, um, I missed the first game in Perth um, for the birth of our son, so that was really good, and then, Yeah, we had a tough week up in Queensland, but (laughs) we're not the first Victorian side to ever have a tough week up in Queensland. So that's all right. But yeah, it's been good to be out of... um, We've had a week or so at home. So just to get some volume in and work on some stuff has been really good. So feeling good going into this week and um, we're back at the G. So there's always a good vibe around the group when we're playing at home.
1: More importantly, how's the young fella going? How's the sleep been? How's it all going at home?
11: Yeah, Max is good, mate. He's um he's keeping us busy. Um, <laughs> I'm getting some more sleep than my wife, but she's doing really well. So no, he's going good, thank you. He's uh, for a little bloke, he can drink and eat and make a lot of noise. So he's going well.
1: So uh, are you sleeping in a separate bedroom, or how's that all going? <laughs>
11: uh, we got a bit of a on the couch set up in a, a downstairs bedroom set up, and just sort of sleep wherever we can. Just trying to make it work for now, but um. I think once we sort him out, it should be okay, but just at the moment,
1: it's hard work. Yeah, uh, the wives slash mums <laughs> do it. An and absolutely yeah. uh, amazing job. But just going back to the Asher series, you were over there, and uh, it was such a controversial series. It seems like the Poms can't let it go. Johnny Bairstow and a new book, uh, which is about to be released, called Bazballs, Balls, had another go at that controversial decision. Mo and Ali's had a crack as well. Does it? Does it make you laugh the way the English continue to react to, to what happened at Lort?
11: Yeah, I don't know if it's just like a, um, it, it's, it's good for, it's obviously good content for people to bring up all the time. Um, and I think, yeah, English people do like that. I think it's just in their nature to not be happy with things. So <laughs> it's not surprising, but um, yeah, it's probably time to get over
1: it. Is, like, months on, are you still comfortable with how it, how it all played out. It seems like the English aren't, but from an Australian point of view and everything that happened from, you know, walking back through the long room there, you know, David Warner was pretty blunt when he was asked about Are you happy about it, laughed it off. Are you comfortable with how it all played out?
11: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, when I was 14, I remember playing, uh, under 15 for Wanneroo back in Perth and I got out the exact same way one day and never thought anything of it again. And I've never done it again. Cause I learned my lesson. So, I think maybe people just need to get on with it and get over it. And I think the ironic thing is that the MCC write the rules of cricket and <laughs> they're the ones that wrote the law that's in there that allowed it to be out. So that probably says enough.
1: What about the selective use of spirit of cricket from the English, given that there's been some interesting cases with Johnny Bairstow in the past when he's behind the stumps? Does that make you laugh?
11: Yeah, well, it was funny. Um, obviously, after that happened, all the stuff came out with some other examples of what people had done in the past. So I think... If you're going to start throwing stones, make sure your bloody backyard's pretty clean. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's okay. That's that's what happens. It's good for it's good for the entertainment value, and I think it added a lot to the series. Um, definitely got the crowds a bit more involved, which was probably what we didn't need. But um, yeah, I think it added to it. And it's all part of the theatre of it. I think at the end of the day, everyone still gets along fine, and there's no dramas there with personal stuff. But yeah, it was. It's been an interesting thing to see that's still getting spoken about.
1: Uh, yeah, it was great drama and it'll be a great series when they return here. You've been, I'm assuming you've been watching the World Cup pretty closely, slow start for the Aussies, but seem to be getting their act together in the last couple of games?
11: Yeah, I've watched bits and pieces. I've, I've tried to watch uh, our games as much as I can. Um, it looks like we're starting to get the ball rolling a little bit, which is good. Um, Dave and Mitch uh, were flying the other night, which is really good. So, and then uh, Hetty's it looks like Hetty's going to be hopefully back tonight, which adds another layer to our batting. Um, just with, I think you're seeing this World Cup, the scores are so high now. Um, teams are so attacking. So, Heavy will definitely add that to our batting lineup. And then it looks like they're, we're finding a way with the ball, which is good on some tough wickets over there. So, it looks like we're starting to hit our straps at the right time with it being nine games. Mm. Um, it's going to be, there's going to be a few ups and downs along the way, but I think we're looking like we're going all right. I
1: mean, speaking about you getting back into the Australian side, Marcus, uh, one player that from the Vix who looks like a potential Australian player in the making potentially across a few forms is Matt Short. Is had a remarkable 12 to 18 months. Just take us through what you see in him working closely with him every day and, and what his prospects are.
11: Yeah, well, the sky's the limit for Shorty at the moment. He's, um, He's always been one of the young guys that we've had in our squad now. He's obviously one of the more mature guys, but he's always had um, as much, if not more, ability than anyone. So he looks like something just clicked for him in the last probably 18 months to two years. Um, I think it started with his BBL stuff at the Strikers, and then uh, last season he bought into his stuff with us. So he's been really good. Um, unbelievable white ball player. He made, he made a brilliant 100 up in Queensland. Um, on a tough week in the Red Bull game. And then in the um, one day, I was brilliant again. So he's going really well. I think now with the way the schedules are, he's going to get some, a lot of opportunity, um, especially in the white ball team for Australia. Uh, I think He was in, I think he's probably one of the, he was one of the reserves for the World Cup. So he's in and around the mix. And then I think there's a T20 series after this World Cup mm-hmm. in India, funnily enough. So I reckon he might end up in that, um, but he's going really well.
1: Just going back to you, but before we let you go, just, given you know you need to score runs and there's a, a place in that Australian side up for grabs in the new year, does it? do you feel that pressure? Do you keep an eye on what some of the other openers around the country are doing or can you not afford to sort of be distracted by that?
12: No,
11: well, it's just, you know, having to make runs is my job. So I just go out there every game and try and do that. And then you can't really control what other people are doing. So there's no point in worrying about if someone else makes some runs or someone else takes wickets or whatever. So i just go out there, and like you said, we haven't batted very well in the Red ball stuff yet for Victoria, so probably <laughs> got to worry about getting us off the mark first before I worry about all the other stuff, so um, no, it's no added extra pressure, I've dealt with the same thing in the last, you know, probably four or five years, so it's nothing unusual for me, which is probably a good thing, um, so yeah, just try and, you know, get a good score on the board for us whenever we bat this week, and then all that other stuff will sort itself
1: out. Just got one here off our 40 Wings temper machine, Marcus. Uh, someone wants me to ask you, who's the quickest going around in shield cricket at the moment?
11: Uh, I reckon Lance Morris yeah. would be the quickest. Um, yeah, he's pretty quick. He's oh, not pretty quick. He's very quick, Lance. He, um, I was in the test squad. He was in the test squad last summer. Unfortunately, he didn't get to play, but... Um I was the poor bugger that had to face him in the nets every other day, so that was a good experience. And he doesn't mind digging money in, old Lance. But um, yeah, he'll be good to watch uh, whenever he gets an opportunity. Hopefully, uh, he can stay fit. Um, but yeah, he's properly quick. Um, yeah, he'd be up there with the likes of Mark Wood and Northcote. So I'm looking forward to seeing if Lance gets
1: an opportunity in Test cricket. I was gonna say, would he be would he be the quickest you faced, or are those two other guys you mentioned, sort of similar?
11: Uh, yeah, he'd be... Mark Woods. I haven't faced Nork here, but that spell he yeah. bowled at the Gabba last year in the test match on a green wicket. Um, I know I was saying before how you feel like as a player when you're not playing, you get an itch to get out there. I definitely didn't get that inch. <laughs> right. um, yeah, happy, happy to, to be sitting up, on though. the <laughs> sidelines. <laughs> yeah, I was happy watching Hedy trying to tackle him. But, um, yeah, those... Oh, yeah, Mark Wood, he bowls up the speed of light, so he's quick. Um, and then, we you know, we had the lights of Stark in that as well. But, yeah, Lance has definitely got the ball speed. Um, in our country, I think.
7: Uh,
1: great to have a chat, Marcus. Uh, good luck for this Shield game for yourself uh, and the team. And we ca- we hope to see you back in that Australian Test 11 uh, very shortly. Make sure you get a good night's sleep tonight before the game. It's not always easy with a newborn. And uh, congratulations again on the, the new addition to the family. And uh, we look forward to catching up again soon. Thanks, mate. I'll try my best. Great to chat to Marcus Harris. Let's hope he can get some runs and the Vicks can get on the scoreboard in the Shield season, starting with New South Wales at the MCG tomorrow. Um, lost in the wash coming up after the break. Anything we haven't touched on today? is a bit of football overnight, some Champions League uh, so, anything you want to bring to the table, give us a call 1300 736 736 on the Werribee Kia Open Line. It's awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. This is Dwayne's World for the Kangan Institute. Unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now.
0: It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. kangan.edu.au. RTO 3077. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell.
1: You know the jingle? It's time for Lost in the Wash for rjsanderson.com.au. R.J. Sanderson and Associates are accountants and taxation specialists. Take the stress out of tax. Anything we haven't got to today that you would want to have a yarn about or send through on the forty winks? Uh, temper zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Give us a call on the Werribee Care Open Line one 736, 736 Got one here from Michael. Uh, yeah, big event coming up this weekend. The World Cup final at the Rugby World Cup should be an absolute beauty between the All Blacks. And the Spring Box uh, is suggesting we should get someone like Drew Mitchell on for a chat uh, later in the week. I'm sure Cammie Luke or Sammy Hargraves, who are on the show tomorrow and Friday, will be talking about the Rugby World Cup uh, between two of the real big powerhouses in World Rugby. Uh, that final over in France, with oh, some Champions League uh, this morning, uh, lucky win for Arsenal, 2-1 over Sevilla, away from home. <laughs> so good a good result there for the Gunners, Martinelli and Gabriel Jesus on the scoreboard. I think Jesus might have done a hamstring, though, so he might miss some football. The other result in terms of an English team, uh, Manchester United 1, FC Copenhagen 0. So two of the most blind Manchester United players were the significant players. Harry Maguire, the central defender, England defender as well, scored the goal. And Andre Anana, who has had shaky start to life as Manchester United's keeper, be fair to say. He was spraying the ball everywhere early in the game. Made a save from the penalty spot late uh, to get Manchester United. Their first win in the Champions League. A couple of big games tomorrow morning. You can watch them. On Stan Sport, Uh, the best group certainly on paper is the one featuring Newcastle who play Borussia Dortmund and AC Milan take on PSG. So a couple of big games there uh, in the Champions League. NBA underway as well. If you don't want to know the scores, uh, just turn your radio off for a second. Uh, The first game, uh, the Denver Nuggets, the defending champions, beat the LA Lakers. And in the game on at the moment between the Golden State Warriors and Phoenix Suns in Golden State... It's a 15-point lead at the moment at halftime for the Suns. Devin Booker, 21 points uh, in the first half. Steph Curry has 10. So uh, good start there for the Phoenix Suns uh, in that match. Uh, we spoke a lot yesterday on the show about Spurs and Ange Postacoglu. Spurs, of course... Uh, top of the English Premier League. A chance to extend that lead, of course, on Friday night when they play Crystal Palace in the first game of the next uh, match week. James Madison, who's been the star signing so far from Leicester City uh, for Spurs, scored his first, game, first goal at home on uh, Monday night football over there against Fulham. So we heard uh, Ange Cogley was very unimpressed with Tottenham's second half, uh, particularly with the ball spraying it around. James Madison uh, spoke after the game about uh, just how... And keeps his players on their toes
7: oh, it's one of the main messages to be fair cara the managers always had like if you look back at the history of the teams he's managed they've always been front foot pressing teams and the first day he come in and he said pressing high is almost a non-negotiable um at any stage of the game so i think we had a game in pre-season where we went one nil two nil up and and then we kind of stopped pressing sat in a little bit and uh sat in a little bit sorry and he and he went ballistic at half time it was Shaq to the Nets here because he said that's almost how, how Tottenham have been in the past, kind of trying to protect a lead. And he says that's it's non-negotiable to keep going and keep pressing and we go and score three and four. So it's, uh, Tottenham have been it's a in conscious the past, thing. kind of trying to protect a lead. And he says that's it's non-negotiable to keep going and keep pressing and we go and score three and four. So it's, uh, it's a conscious thing on, on my mind and on the team's mind that we press from the start and no matter what the scoreline is, we keep going. Yeah, no sitting back under
1: Ange. No, what the, no matter what the score is, it's all about trying to score more and uh, press the opposition. That was James Madison there. Another one uh, lost in the wash. A couple coming through off the forty wings temper. Uh, the World Series in the baseball. Interesting that uh, money talks in American sport a lot of the time. But the upcoming World Series uh, between the Arizona Dina, Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. The ninth highest spending team versus the 21st spending team. So money doesn't always talk uh, in American sport. One here for Mozza. We mentioned earlier... Uh, the Sore Ankle or Ankle Sore podcast with Bomber Thompson. Moz has been having a listen, uh, really enjoying it. After the news, I'll just give you a little insight into one of the stories Bomber Thompson tells uh, about Nathan Ablett. Coming up on the show before we uh, wrap up today, Mia Austin from the Blues, AFLW Rising Star nominee. Andy Gazi, of course, coming up after three. And then Kane Corns solo corn uh, on uh, Sports Day. But uh, for now, let's get the latest in the newsroom with Amy Drew. Uh, it's after two that so must be wrestling themes from our man A-Rod. Lost in the Wash was brought to you by rjsanderson.com.au. Take the stress out of tax. I was mentioning uh, that uh, podcast, the Ankle Sore Podcast. You just pop, pop that into YouTube and there's an edition with Bomber Thompson. So really interesting stuff about Nathan Ablett. So, of course, he played his last game for Geelong in the 2007 Grand Final. 32 games, 46 goals, kicked three goals in the grand final, never played for Geelong again, then bobbed up at the Gold Coast in 2011 with his brother Gary, played two games, kicked a goal, and never played AFL football again. But he told this really interesting story about... This, I spoke about the talent that he had. You know, one of his first games, he took Darren Glass to the cleaners, all Australian fullback at the time, down at Geelong, and some of the things he did at training. But it was really interesting in saying that where they might have lost Nathan was the fact that, in hindsight, they wish... They said don't come to the celebrations the day after they won the two thousand and seven Grand Final. There's twenty odd thousand Geelong fans uh at Caninia Park. It was just too much for him. It was too overwhelming. He didn't like any fanfare and not saying he would have played on, but Bomber Thompson just say he wonders if we just told him to stay away that day. And you know, just do your own thing. You don't as much as we'd love you to be there, you don't have to be there, maybe maybe things would have been a little bit uh, different for Nathan Abbott. But I do remember that game he was talking about. It was one of his first games, probably his first game he played in Geelong. And he he had a half on Darren Glass where he marked everything, kicked a couple of goals, and he just thought, how exciting uh, could this player be? But uh, it was just one that it wasn't for him. AFL football, he decided. And, you know, we never saw the best of him. But he did play in a premiership and he kicked three goals in that game. Uh, in 2007. So if you've got some time, as Moza said, uh, have a listen to that podcast. It's just bomber Thompson talking everything from his uh, football career, right from Dubu to you know Geelong as a player, what happened at Essendon, how he sees the game now, um, some of those famous stories when he was eating the sandwich in the coach's box, all these sort of things. It's just a, a really... Relax, Bomber Thompson, talking about uh, what's a really interesting uh, career in football. So the Ankle Saw podcast. If you want to have a listen on YouTube. Uh, So not too far away from speaking uh, to Mia Austin. So AFLW getting right down to the business. And we we spoke yesterday about the tribunal case uh, last night uh, for the dangerous tackle uh, sent straight to the tribunal. And uh, in the end... uh, the the result came back as uh, cleared. So a lot of uh, former players were saying that they didn't believe it was worthy of a suspension, and that is the way the AFLW tribunal saw it last night for Brittany Gutnick for that tackle on uh, Paige Shepherd, resulting in a concussion. It was graded careless of the impact high contact, but in the end, uh, Brittany was cleared, which I think most people in football uh, think that was the right decision. So she's free to play in the Bulldogs, Last two games been a very tough year for the Bulldogs in AFLW. The Blues have got two big games to come. They want to make the finals. They're currently ninth. They play Essendon and they play St Kilda. A big part of that will be their young forward Mia Austin, and she will join us after the break.
0: It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Kangan.edu.au. RTO three zero seven seven. Dwayne's World. We're Dwayne Russell.
1: Well, it was a tough loss for the Blues in the AFLW on the weekend, going down by a couple of points to the Giants, but certainly one silver lining was the performance of young Mia Austin. Ten disposals, a couple of goals, some strong marks, and it was enough to earn her the Round 8 AFLW Rising Star nomination, thanks to OMF, Australian-owned and designed the big OMF Spring Sailors, now on with up to 60% off selected mattresses. And Mia's been good enough to join us today. G'day, Mia. Hey. Congratulations uh, on the nomination. Uh, obviously a tough one for the, for the girls to swallow, such a big game for the team. But how did you view your own performance?
12: Um, yeah, I think I'm just really enjoying playing my role down the forward line. Um, I've got all that sort of, you know, dust and moods popping in and out. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, that's really helping me um, along. So, yeah, I'm just really enjoying that at the moment.
1: Take us through your journey so far, because it's been a little bit up and down. Drafted, make your debut, and then no one likes to to suffer an injury. But you suffered a, a really serious uh, injury in training. Just take us through the injuries you sustained, and and I guess how difficult the comeback was.
12: Um, yeah, yeah, I think it was just it was a bit of a freak accident. Really, just um, you know, just at training, I think I got tackled and um, ended up breaking my fibula and just rushing my synostosis. So. Um, did a good job of it, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I don't know. I think we just have such great support. Um, I guess throughout the club, like those teammates, um, you know, our rehab crew, they, yeah, I don't know. They just sort of helped us and showed us the process rather than, you know, the outcome. And we just took it, I guess, week by week, seeing the little things that I could improve on. Um, and then yeah just taking that into this year's been really good.
1: What was the toughest part? I mean I'm I'm not it was that sort of the the worst injury you've suffered during your, your footy at any level so far and what what was the toughest part was it the physical recovery or at times was it the mental recovery as you said you're in rehab you're not playing um and you you know you're dealing with a really serious injury.
12: Um yeah I think the toughest part probably mentally um I guess because you're sort of watching everyone train um, and, you know, like I love playing footy and I just wanted to be out there, um, you know, the team. So, yeah, probably mentally was the hardest part, just getting over that barrier and sort of thinking, um, you know, what can I do now that's going to set me up for next season? Because like just sort of getting over, I'm out for this season, so let's work on what we can, you know, improve on and get better for.
1: And take us back to the the start of your, your footy journey. Where did it start? Um, you know, what sort of players did you look up to? Who did you barrack for uh, growing up? Just take us through your journey from, you know, from juniors right up to when you got your start in AFLW. Um,
12: yeah, so I did Auskick when I was younger. I think maybe when I was about six, so pretty young. Um, and then I was not really a pathway, so I, you know, started basketball, athletics, bit of tennis, um, just... Yeah, just, I guess fill in um, that void. And I think when I was 10, I started, I played with the boys down at Chansai Park Footy Club um, up until I think I was 12. Um, so yeah, that was really good. And then I guess we found Montrose Footy Club. They had a girls team starting up. I guess that's sort of when AFLW started taking off. Um, the girls team started really growing, which was awesome. Um, and yeah, guess I was lucky enough to um, go through the Eastern Rangers Talent pathway and Yeah, I guess from there, um, yeah, helped me get to where I am, which is pretty surreal still.
1: Uh, oh, the old Montrose Demons, uh, a long, long time ago, I remember playing some footy on that ground. Uh, it was often pretty muddy. The ground was on a bit of a slope. Uh, what is the facilities yeah. like out at old Montrose these days?
12: Um, they've actually done well because um, it's pretty good now. I reckon it's more sandy than mud. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the facilities are pretty good now. Like, the club rooms have all been done up. Um, and, yeah, I reckon it's a pretty great over. You've got the hills in the background too, which I reckon is a nice touch.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful spot. We're talking to Mia Austin, Round 8 AFLW Rising star from the Carlton Footy Club. Uh, key Ford, it's obviously, you know, we speak about men's football and, you know, Key Ford is such a difficult position uh, to play these days, but, you know, with numbers getting back and how well teams defend. How, how have you found the difficulty of playing in a key forward role in AFLW?
12: Um, yeah, it's definitely a lot different because so I think I grew up um, sort of playing, I guess, rock. So I guess you're around the ground a lot more. So, But I've really been enjoying learning how to play. I feel like, um, yeah, it's so different because you do rely on a lot of what other people are doing. Um, but I think it's just been so good. Our connection with the mids, we've just been... Um, really working hard on that. And I think as that starts to grow, um, yeah, it makes it, I don't know, a lot easier to um, play that role. And especially having the likes of, um, you know, Jess Dalpos, Darcy Vestia and um, Phoebe's yeah, I guess their leadership and um, they've been mentoring me since I got here. So, yeah, that's played a huge role in, I guess, helping me um, learn the craft.
1: Coming through the ranks as a young key forward, was there players in the competition you looked up to? I mean, you, you look at players like Aaron Phillips, who have been a, a dominant key forward, Taylor Harris, who obviously spent some time at your footy club. Carlton, was there a couple of players you really looked up to uh, growing up?
12: Um, yeah, growing up, uh, probably when I was younger, before AFLW came about, um, I was a big Richmond supporter. So I guess I looked, I did look up to Jack Rewald a lot, actually. Um and probably
1: um, Alex Rands, those type of players. Yeah, that's uh, well, that's two pretty handy players uh, to to follow. Uh, in terms of the season right now, it's so delicately poised. It's, it's really even, you know, a real log jam uh, in that middle part of, of the table, which means you know two rounds to go. It's a massive game this week uh, playing the Bombers, Windy Hill on Saturday. They suffered that shock loss. Uh, to the Eagles on the weekend. It's it's almost like the finals have come a little bit, uh, you know, a couple of weeks early.
12: Um. Well, I reckon we're just sort of taking it week by week, I'd say. Um, we've got – we're really looking forward, forward to our clash against Essendon this weekend. Um, but, yeah, I guess we just take it week by week. It's still two weeks to go. Um, and, yeah, we know what we need to work on. So I guess it's really exciting, um, yeah, to see what we can bring Um this Saturday.
1: I guess Carlton had Daniel Harford as the coach uh, for a long time obviously that changed this year with uh, Matthew Buck coming in how different is life under Matthew is there similarities between him and Half, or or were they quite different
12: Um, yeah well they're both fantastic coaches Um, like I definitely enjoyed my um, time under Half. he was um, a great mentor Um, and I definitely yeah I learned heaps from him Um, but yeah and Bucky's come in, he's been awesome. Like, I feel like um, we're growing so much as a team and, um, yeah, we're really working on that, being um, person first and then player. So really working on, you know, being great teammates and getting all the little things right, which has been really nice.
1: Mia, what do you like to do?
12: Uh... It's been really awesome to sort of look through footy. through that lens.
1: Where are you coaching?
12: Uh, just down at Eastern Ranges. Yep. Yeah, so that's been really good. Um, the head coach, Ash Close, he sort of took me under his wing and, um, yeah, just taught me his ways, which is really cool. And, yeah, I feel like uh, probably not the best person I like talking for in front of a crowd, so I feel like that sort of helped me sort of take that challenge on. And I reckon, know, um, yeah, it's been awesome.
1: And if you do decide to study next year, what, what are you looking at studying?
12: Maybe exercise, science and business. I feel like I'm really interested in that type of stuff and I reckon yeah, it can lead to all the different pathways.
1: And just the young talent in the AFLW is you know, getting stronger and stronger every year. And I guess you you saw firsthand, unfortunately, uh, one of the real rising stars of the competition on the weekend, Zali Goldsworthy, five goals, the youngest player to kick five goals in the history of the competition. What did you make of her performance from afar?
12: Um, Yeah, she's incredible. Um, um, Yeah, like, it's a tough game as well. She's able to sort of um, show up, and I feel like that's great leadership by her to help bring her team up.
1: Well, Mia, uh, fantastic to meet you. Congratulations uh, on the nomination and uh, you've bounced back so strongly from that uh, serious injury last year. Uh, Thanks for your time and uh, good luck against the Bombers this week and for the rest of the season.
12: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Mia Austin, Round 8 AFLW Rising Star from Carlton. That is a big one at Windy Hill. The Bombers and the Blues. Uh, The Bombers currently fifth one game and 4% ahead of the Blues who take on the Bombers and then the Saints to round off their season. And Mia Austin will be a key player for the Blues over the next couple of weeks thanks to OMF, Australian-owned and designed. The OMF Big Spring Sale is now on with up to 60% off selected mattresses. Time to celebrate some lives thanks to Tobin Brothers Funeral celebrating lives. Happy birthday to one of A-Rod's favourite pop superstars, Katy Perry. Loves that fireworks song. Happy birthday to the Sydney Swans co-captain and 2012 Premiership player Luke Parker. Now, hard to believe given how good a player he is now. He's actually the sub... Uh, that day and came on in the second half of that grand final, Luke Parker. But what a player. He has been for the Swans over the last decade and continues to be another high finish in the the best and fairest in 2023. Tobin Brothers Funerals. Visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. And just while we're talking about Tobin Brothers, Hawthorne fans in particular, don't miss This Is Your Journey on Sunday with Sam Edmonds? Sits down with one of our own And one of the all-time greats of the Hawthorne Footy Club and one of the great captains we have seen in the game. His name is Luke Hodge, four premierships, three as captain, two Norm Smith medals. I'll be sitting down to discuss uh, his incredible journey from right back to being pick one in that super draft in 2001, right up to the time that uh, he surprised everyone and uh, moved to the Brisbane Lions after retiring and still doing some great things here on SEN and Channel 7. So that's 10am on Sunday. This is your journey. Luke Hodge sits down with our own Sammy Edmund. Let's get our final break away and we'll be back to wrap up the show afterwards.
0: It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Kangan.edu.au RTO 3077 Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Okay,
1: that's it for the show today. And again, we must say thanks to our great friends at Werribee Kia. The team will look after you just like family. Visit Werribee Kia and you'll find the incredible EV6 GT model with fantastic finance options available. Right now during October, finance your EV6 GT model through Werribee Kia Finance and you'll be eligible for a free home charger and seven years complimentary cap price service. That's this month only, so only a few days to go, and only for private and business customers. Plus, make sure you mention SEN 1116 to receive free on-road costs. T's and C's apply. And remember, if you're looking for a trade-in, Werribee Kia offer top dollar and have 300-plus late-model used cars in stock. Werribee Kia, go and see the fantastic team on Old Geelong Road Hoppers Crossing and be sure to check out the EV6 GT model available now. werribeekiacomau Lmct one four. Thanks for all your contributions today. Cam Luke will be in the chair the next couple of days. Coming up next, I can hear them. You know it's going to be a good show with Andy and Gazy when they are yelling and eviscerating themselves in the back office. And I can hear them now, which means they'll come on, switched on for a big show for the next uh, couple of hours, uh, two and a half hours, right through until 5.30 before Kane Corns on Sports Day. Thanks again for your company this afternoon. Cam Luke will be in the chair for Midday Madness at Midday tomorrow.